0: Everybody, welcome to. Are we recording?
1: No, too much, too much, too
0: much, too much. Ducks watch together. I'm Josh.
1: I'm John Rambo.
0: And on today's episode, we talk about the films of 1999.
1: You never responded to my reach into
0: Wait, where you said too many stars, and I said summer of Quaid?
1: No, it was on my review because I said it gave me whiplash, and you said dragging, rushing or dragging. I said not everything's a film reference. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I really quieted you up. (laughs) I was like,
0: I don't know what to say to that yet. (laughs) I'm still thinking.
1: Josh, The Intruder's bad. I just, you gave it way too many stars. I'm just gonna let you know.
0: The Intruder is aggressively average. It's
1: so bad, Josh. I think you need to watch it again. Oh, okay. I just...
0: I like, don't... just get passed by, like, love for Quaid yeah, and, like... get over
1: yourself. I just, I, don't, I just, like, don't understand how you gave it so many stars. I gave it two and a half. Uh, yeah, Josh. <laughs> I gave it one star and I was like, I was pushing it. <laughs>
0: Listen, it... it's dumb. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, but it kind of knows it's dumb, and it's having a good time. I don't
1: think it's having a good time.
0: <laughs> I don't think the male lead is having a good time. He is uh, he's something
1: else. Yeah, he thinks he's in a different movie.
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. I don't know. Listen, it's stupid. I liked it. What can I say? That's why I got two and a half. It's very flawed, but I didn't have a terrible time. Maybe the perfect time to watch it is at, like, two in the afternoon when you actually have gotten all your work done and you take some time off and you're just ready to, you know, chill and watch a movie. No.
1: No? No. Okay,
0: I'm so sorry.
1: I'm beefing my list up of 2019 ranked. (sighs) I'm gonna win.
0: You are. I'm only at, like, 74.
1: Yes, because you went down this weird 1999 (laughs) rabbit hole.
0: Okay, so I don't know how or why, but I did.
1: You're at 73. I'm beating you by three films. Okay, well...
0: Do I have... I have Adam's family on there. Um... I tried to go to two in one day. I was trying to get to both animated films in one day. I
1: don't think you have Adam's Family on here. It's, Unless you gave it real high. It's freaking.
0: It's low. It's, I think it's like a star and a half.
1: Oh, you do. Sorry. Okay. I gave you false hope.
0: I tried to go see two in one day, um, but I, ch- I bought tickets for Abomination. Abomination. Um, Abominable. <laughs> Abominable. And I get there, and my favorite employee at the movie theater, Red, was like, hey, so sorry, this movie can't be shown right now, but we're going to show it at the 4 o'clock because there was an issue with the print or whatever, the digital print of some kind.
1: The same day is when that Kevin Smith thing was in for special theaters, and it also couldn't be played in a lot of theaters. Interesting. Yeah, AMC just messed up.
0: Um, so then I was like, well, I guess what's, I guess I'll just go watch Adam's Family now because I couldn't stay. So basically, the timing worked where I had to, like, I couldn't start a movie after about four, and the next one for Abominable was like four something or other. Um, and so I only got Adam's Family on that day. I was trying to get two in. And then I've just been not able to go to the movies as much just due to time, so I've just been at home watching them. I think the reason why I went down this 99 rabbit hole is because. I owned a lot of these movies.
1: Uh, let me tell you, Josh, there's this magical place. Uh-huh. Why don't you say it with me? Okay. The library. The library. <laughs> you know what they might have?
0: Movies? movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I have a, a, a library of movies here. Not for
1: 1999. Not for no, sorry, not for 2019.
0: <laughs> well, fair, not for 2019. I don't have that library yet.
1: Yeah, I have to re, I have to re-request three films because I had to return them before I saw them because I have currently 40 films checked out.
0: Oh gosh, <laughs> which three did you have to turn in?
1: Um, Apollo Eleven, her smell. I know her smell is on. I know that they're on streaming services, but I if I have the actual DVD, yeah. that I'm far more likely to actually watch it yes. than being like, I'll oh, we'll get to it at some point. That's
0: very true. Apollo 11 is on Hulu, if anybody wants to watch that, and then Her Smell is on Amazon.
1: But, yeah. Oh, Josh, I didn't watch all the films for this.
0: <laughs> what
1: are you doing? <laughs> I didn't watch one of these films.
0: <laughs> Which one? I...
1: Can I guess? Can I guess? Well, let me tell you what I did instead. Okay. All right. I watched the YouTube clips Uh that it'll show you. Great. I think I understand. Okay. I watched the ending. A lot of the ending was there.
0: Is it the Blair Witch Project?
1: I did not watch the Blair Witch Project.
0: Do you want to, like, pick one of these ones that maybe you've seen and we'll just talk about it instead of the Blair Witch Project? Uh,
1: no, I feel like I have to talk about the Blair Witch Project. I feel like I understand. (laughs) I understand the Blair Witch Project's influence on things pretty well without ever having to have seen it. I think I understand. So
0: you've never seen it?
1: Well, no. Okay,
0: great. (sighs) <sighs> Kylie Josh it like it shakes a lot. Oh my gosh, it so does. But you're the horror person. You're like I like this genre. Well,
1: I think I just like good movies. Okay, fair <laughs> and enough. If they're in if they're in the horror section <laughs>
0: I mean, I also like good movies and if they're in the horror section, but like, listen, well, I, you've come a long way in the three plus years that we've started this podcast. Somehow, I think that we all thought we were maybe turning Josh into a tiny horror fan. No, no, we were turning Kylie away from the horror genre. No, That's what we were doing.
1: I, I, I think I, here's what I'll here's what I think. okay, I think that I am more willing to give things a uh, t- a shot.
0: Okay, uh-huh, yeah.
1: Like I see a terrible trailer and I might still go see it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like like I might go see Countdown. I
0: Although <laughs> well, to be fair, I would say the last two dumb horror movies we saw were on me. What were they? Uh Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark.
1: That's true. But you that's that also has the subgenre of Uh, uh, youthlings,
0: youth, (laughs) teens. Yeah, yeah, and uh, ready or not, which a lot of people liked better than I did.
1: I think we were both. I think we were both amped for it the same amount because I remember being like, "Josh, there's a trailer called out there." Oh yes, yeah, bonkers. Yes, and then I agree, the trailer is bonkers. The movie, however, is not.
0: Neither of us have seen it. Chapter two.
1: It's like three hours. Yeah,
0: like, okay, that is the- I only saw Avengers
1: Endgame twice, everyone. It is. Oh no, I saw it three times.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you had to go back and get those extra seven minutes.
1: Twice. (laughs) (sighs) It's the extra seven minutes, like, five of the extra, like, seven of the extra seven minutes are a, like, a little thing about Stanley,
0: Which they released on the DVD, so I've seen now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's about, it's cool.
0: It's good. I like about it.
1: All you needed. Guess we can't do that for like Jack Kirby or you know anyone else who's Steve Ditko. It's okay.
0: Well, I'm sure they'll they're getting their dues in their own way at some point. I Smaller.
1: I have been dead for a while, Josh.
0: Hey, yeah, but Stanley just died. No, I agree with you. We Steve don't. Steve Ditko also just died. Did he?
1: He died. Oh, probably actually right around, I think it was right around Strange. I think that it's
0: Homecoming. One of them has, in memory of Steve Ditko, I think at the very end of yeah,
1: it. Yeah, it's Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, there it is.
0: <laughs> yep. It's over there still.
1: Oh, you're right. <laughs>
0: it's just down with the other spider man because it's not on the MCU. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was the that was the first one that there was like Steve Ditko.
0: His name was Steve Ditko. I mean, this is not news for the Hollywood industry to pick a figurehead of a person who did a lot of things, mm-hmm. and then kind of like erase everybody else's or bl- uh, lessen everybody else's contribution to a thing. It's easier to hold up. One person than a group of people. You have to tell less of a story.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Stanley was also the char- the most charismatic one, and so that's why he gets the most attention. And yeah. So, um,
0: and he was. I I will say in like though I think lots of people deserve a lot of credit. He was the CEO of marvel for a long time it was his company it was his thing there so like he was the person in charge of the company for a very long time mm-hmm. and i wonder and if... i think
1: a lot of that also has to do with the popularity that he gained through his collaborations with yes.
0: other people yeah 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 absolutely and again i'm not trying to say that they didn't <laughs> i feel didn't like work. you don't care about jack um, kirby or steve i do i do i love steve kirby and injected Ditko. they're great um, I'm kidding. I'm joking. But I was going to say, I wonder how Stan Lee did in terms of giving them credit. Mm-hmm. You know, because that would go a long way for me if when he talked, if he would also give credit. He's like, hey, I, I helped, but also these folks. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a sign of a good leader in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I don't know. I don't, I will say I haven't seen anything that however does not mean that it doesn't exist.
0: That's what I said <laughs> I also would say too. Um
1: which means that the Stanley estate has done a terrible job of promoting that he was a good leader.
0: Um well the Stanley estate is a hot mess. His daughter it, just took advantage of him in a lot of ways and is just going off of his glory, which could be a lot of the reasons why his name is out there more is because she's pumping it out there through a marketing machine. Okay, so who did this work? Who was, who, who was like, Stanley and all them at least better than the good old Bob Kane? And I don't even know the other guy who actually created Batman.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, so... Yeah, uh, Bob Kane also feels very much like a Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby, where they kind of fell behind
0: no, Bob Kane's the the one they say did it, mm-hmm. and then there's the other person who actually did a lot of the things that we know.
1: Yes, uh, oh, but yeah. like I think that I think that when we think about like if you say Bob Kane to a lot of people, they won't know who that oh, is. Oh,
0: okay, fair he enough. falls
1: behind the character, right? Um, but if like if I say, "Hey, mom, Stan Lee," like my mom will be like, "Oh yeah, the guy." <laughs> Sheldon got his article or has a restraining order against him, right? Is that true? Uh, Sheldon Cooper, yes.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> um,
1: Josh, my mother knows nerd things in the terms of uh, Big Bang Theory.
0: Okay, fair. I will say my still cinematic, like, I know he's been in a million Marvel movies at this point, but, like, my still thing is what? Mallrats. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, well, sorry, Kim hasn't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: I wasn't saying she had to. I was just, like, <laughs> cultural referencing myself. <sighs>
1: Alright, let's start this thing. Coppola back Scorsese's row over movie, or over Marvel movies. Hmm. I don't know why we're all yelling at Martin Scorsese. That was just his opinion. I don't care. I
0: mean, Scorsese doesn't care that you're yelling at him either. Because <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna keep saying it. It's fine. It, it fuels me. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: I really wish, I think that what would be great, if, if Scorsese backed uh um Zoe Kravitz as her <laughs> casting. I think that would just really like sweeten the pot for all of
0: us. I don't think that like I love Martin Scorsese. I think he makes good movies. I think he's a great person for cinema history. I think we talked about this on a podcast before about what did we or did we talk about it off podcast? Well,
1: I don't know where we're I don't know where we're oh, okay.
0: going. Basically, what he said about movies being a theme park and like anyway. Um, we have
1: never had this conversation
0: oh okay perfect did
1: you have this conversation while you' were listening to fighting in the war room <laughs> and maybe you, were, you felt like you're a part of it I
0: did yes ah I was part of it um I just he has his right to his opinion mm-hmm. he's from an older generation and in reference to him saying that Marvel movies are like theme parks basically and he's saying that like cinema is not what he knows cinema to be yeah. He knows cinema to be something that is more personal and smaller and not smaller in terms of like, just smaller in terms of scope and in terms of like what, um, I guess even budget in a lot of ways. Um, but Martin Scorsese knows movies to be something different and I would never want him to try to do anything other than what he knows. It is the equivalent of, yes, yes, it is the equivalent of like some old guy being like, get off my lawn, you kids! That's fine. You have the right to say, "Get off my lawn, you kids!" I don't expect 77-year-old Martin Scorsese in the, to, to like buckle up and be like, "Let's do it, 23 Marvel films right now, let's go!" Like, is it- that
1: what Spielberg's do- doing? Isn't? Didn't I like have an existential crisis <laughs> on your couch and like threaten to give up on life <laughs> because he's making a superhero movie? <laughs> Yeah, is that still happening?
0: <laughs> no. He's currently doing West Side Story, so Alright, Kylie. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about West Side Story when we cover West Side Story, so. Well... Yeah, we are. Stevie Stevie's gonna release it. We gotta we
1: gotta cover all the Stevie's. We we've done
0: it so far! All twenty some odd of them at this point. Yeah,
1: blank check is getting rid of their whole we're gonna watch DC movies. Yeah,
0: that's a good move. <laughs>
1: Josh, I take Umbrage with something you said on the her episode, which I didn't correct you there. Oh, okay. I'm gonna correct you now. Okay. Okay. So for the birds of prey. Oh, okay. Okay. You had said because I was like, yeah, Ewan McGregor plays like the villain, and you're like, so he's a good guy, and I was like, what? No. And then you're like, I just thought the good the the villain against the villains would be a good guy. I'm gonna say something. Okay. The birds of prey, good people. Harley Quinn is not part of the Birds of Prey. The oh. Birds of Prey is generally Black Canary, oh. Batgirl, okay. and the Huntress. Okay. So, I, Harley Quinn is just there because they were like, This Margot Roby character is quite loved by people. We'll put her into films.
0: So, is she not a Bird of Prey? Or is she, is she the villain?
1: She's generally not a bird of prey. If they do team up, it's for a small sector. Because, like, Harley Quinn occasionally teams up with people. Because, like, Harley Quinn is only kind of a villain.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's on the Birds of Prey again? Black,
1: Black Canary, Canary. Batgirl and the Huntress. And the Huntress is Batman's daughter.
0: Okay. Well, the Huntress also ruins my thoughts. So never mind. I was like, Harley Quinn doesn't fit. She's not a bird. But neither is the Huntress. So,
1: Neither yeah. is Batgirl. girl. Just a
0: winged being, I'll give it some, like, poetic license with your name. Oh, th- Listen, <laughs> winged beings of prey doesn't sound as good. Poetic license is fine.
1: Yeah, they took it. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes Hawk Girl is there, sometimes... Makes sense. Dove is there. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I'm pretty, I feel like those are the three. I'm pretty sure I saw someone with a crossbow in the trailer, which would be Huntress. Okay. And then I think Batgirl's in it. And then I, I there's another person. I think it's Black Canary. Great. I feel like they're just going to do the original three or not, the not the, they're not the original three. They're going to do the three most popular. And we're going to call it good and I'm going to be okay with it but I didn't correct you then, and it's been chewing away at me.
0: I appreciate you for correcting me now, because my lack of knowledge on the Birds of Prey franchise (laughs) has now come full circle. Yeah,
1: I really want the Huntress Pop Funko, because, like, I like like the Huntress. I like Huntress.
0: Carly, I think I missed my opportunity. What? I don't think the Black Phillip Pop Funko's over at Adventures Underground anymore.
1: You're right, you did miss your opportunity. You should just... I think you should just move out.
0: I, I know.
1: Live on the street.
0: I just... I really want it. Into I, the...
1: Into the wild?
0: Into the woods. Into
1: the wild it?
0: Into the woods and out of the woods and home before.
1: Nope. Into the wild. That's the <laughs> book. With the guy.
0: And that's the... Emile Hirsch film?
1: Maybe Sean Penn's somehow involved in that also?
0: I don't really know. I don't know much about Into think the Wild. I d-
1: directed it. Eddie Vedder. Eddie, Eddie, Better? Eddie Vedder? Eddie definitely is because he does the music. Yeah.
0: Okay. Alright, perfect. This sounds like a gem of a film. You know
1: who else is in it? No. Christian Stewart. Oh. Yeah.
0: What's she doing?
1: She's just the lady that he meets before he goes and, like, eats berries and dies. Oh, spoilers.
0: (laughs) It's the Hunger Games?
1: No, he doesn't. They don't. I mean, only one person eats berries and dies (laughs) in that movie.
0: Oh, how many people eat berries and die in the the wild?
1: Oh, no, two people do it. But we don't see one of them, for sure. But it's heavily implied, you're right.
0: All right, Kylie. Are you ready for the inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite?
1: Yeah. I have a
0: boring one. Okay. So if you have a better one, you can give a better one.
1: Okay, so... I don't have anything.
0: What's your favorite performance of 1999?
1: Josh, I had to take umbrage with also something you said on our ranking of Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay. (laughs) You... Oh, we're
0: going back a year (laughs) and a half at this point.
1: (laughs) You... You said you know what is not a good performance of Keanu Reeves? Him in The Matrix. And I want you, Joshua <laughs> R. Yeah, Darby.
0: Uh, yeah. You got the R right. That's to true. To explain
1: uh. to me... <laughs> Raymond?
0: It's Ray. Ray, but, yes. oh, I was so close. <laughs> he just said too many.
1: Tarpy, <laughs> to explain to me how is it after all this time... You have now nominated him for the Academy Award for Best Actor.
0: Okay, so uh twofold. One. I was wrong.
1: Okay, well okay. Well everyone, I'm I'm done. So everyone, I'm I'm a lot calmer now.
0: Okay. Uh I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Also, I think now that I've seen more Keanu, I understand more about what he's doing in, in that performance in that role, and it makes more sense. Okay.
1: Well, everyone, the court settles. My case ends. <laughs> um, Point you're free, two. You're free to leave.
0: <laughs> Point two. Uh, that was hard. Finding five lead male performances that I liked in 99. No, 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 Josh, Josh. That Josh, was Josh. hard.
1: I, you just gave <laughs> a real backhanded compliment to him. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. Oh sorry, should I should I have flipped those?
1: I agree with you that Jim Carrey's great as Andy Kaufman. Yes. You know what I don't think is great? What? That that film doesn't fully understand Andy Kaufman. Um or let me let me take it back. Okay. It tries to portray his humor at times. Yes. And I don't think that it understands his humor. I would agree with that sometimes. That's that's more of where I'm going. I think that maybe they the especially Carrie who's a crazy person. <laughs> He's the Joker. Um like
0: I would like you to introduce me as Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman.
1: <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to just say something I feel like. I don't need to see Joker. I saw uh, Jimmy and Andy or whatever it's called. Jim and Andy. <laughs> Jim and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need Joker now in my life. Um, I think about... It's, I think it's at the beginning. Where, like, he, like, is out there talking. He's like blah, 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 here's the credits or something. Yes,
0: he basically says that, uh, he he, Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. did not like the movie, and so he, this is the only thing that he left in, was him talking now, and the credits. Yeah.
1: And good I, bit. I feel like uh, it is a good bit, and it's the <laughs> beginning of a Kaufman, but Kaufman oh god Kaufman would have just let it ride (laughs) like back when I used to do stand-up comedy someone once said that was kind of a Kaufman bit and I disagreed but might be where I always talked about how I didn't know the lyrics of songs but I knew like two word or two lyrics that I could just repeat the whole time and so I would say for example I was talking about um, Taylor Swift's We're Never Getting Back Together, because there's a line that goes, You go talk to your friends, talk to my friends, talk to your friends, talk to my friends, talk to your friends, talk to, friends, talk to my friends. <laughs> you do it long enough, and eventually people get really on board. <laughs> and I just feel like, I feel like that's what the movie should have done. Anyways, I think that Jim Carrey's great, you're right.
0: Uh... What episode number is this?
1: 308 or something. It's
0: like a 308 episodes for us to realize you had a stand-up comedy phase?
1: Yeah, in college. This
0: is not (laughs) knowledge that you have ever shared ever in any way, shape, or form. Jeff
1: knows about it. Jeff (laughs) knows about this bit that I do, because I don't know. Another one is the song by Simon Paul Simon, where I'm like, I don't know the lyrics to like the me and Julio down by the schoolyard cause I just say and I'm on my way and I'm on my way yeah I'm on my way hey I'm on my way cause I'm on my way this
0: is a good bit this is solid this is five comedy points you win there you go Yes.
1: I gave away all my comedy points for a not great joke that I lost my mind over
0: yeah, literally I and mean, then when I referenced the joke to you, you're like, what? What? <laughs> Wait, what? When I heard it, I was like, they don't even laugh at it.
1: <laughs> it was so funny, Josh.
0: Kelly loses her mind in the blank check episode of about Joker when they mentioned PTA. Yeah. I I don't I don't yeah, okay. I um compared
1: to Todd Haynes. <laughs> Only difference. Todd Phillips. What did I say? Todd Haynes? Todd Haynes. <laughs> that's a person, right? Carol. <laughs> yeah. Only <laughs> <laughs> <All> difference. <laughs> three
0: names. Three names. <sighs>
1: well, I thought, did you respond with three names or something? Did you text that? And I thought you were asking for three names from me, and I was like, I don't know. No,
0: I literally just texted you, I think I said, because what Ben says is, oh, that's the only difference. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I texted you, and you're like, what? What? <laughs> Alright, so, yeah, sure. I put Carrie up there as, like, my, my probably my best actor uh, uh, of there. Um, uh, I think the Oscars gets one thing right.
1: They nominated John Malkovich? Oh, know? no, no. No, they got it right, which means, like, they won, so yes. Hillary Swank. Hillary
0: Swank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally there. Um, uh, man, I have a lot of folks from The Matrix on my, like, acting list here.
1: I saw you had Carrie Ann Moss. Do you have Lawrence Fishburne? I do. Larry. Larry.
0: Yeah. Best Supporting Actor was my, like, really hard one this year.
1: No, I got it. I got it. William H. (laughs) Macy. Tom Cruise. Philip Seymour (laughs) Hoffman.
0: The cast of Magnolia. (laughs) I just, I couldn't leave Rickman off because, like, I love Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman and Galaxy Quest. Solid. Good time. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Um... Can I tell you my most surprising performance of this year? Who I actually thought I remembered not liking. Toni Collette. And then did. No, Toni Collette. Solid. She's in here somewhere.
1: Mm. Yeah, she's in Best Actress. Yeah. I think she's a supporting actress.
0: Yeah, I know. I just like. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I also had too many supporting actresses and not enough like lead actors. So I moved her into Actress because I was like, she's the female lead of that film.
1: It's not the girl who says, I feel better now.
0: Nope, it's not that girl who ends up being on the O.C. Um, What's that
1: actress's name? Josh, help me.
0: It's something... uh, What is her name? I don't remember. I don't know.
1: Oh, okay. I turned to my friends as I watched The Sixth Sense. Uh Uh-huh. I say... I call this character Misha for some reason. That's I don't know why. Misha Barton. And then they say her name. I was like, mm, that's not that character's name. I, got, I figured it out. Jeff and Jeff, I figured it all out.
0: All right, there you go. Okay.
1: Feel. I feel better now.
0: There you go. We did it. Um, John Malkovich actually shocked the crap out of me because I really liked him in being John Malkovich. Um, I don't remember enjoying his performance a lot, but I really, really did. Like... Malkovich is solid in that movie and I don't think he, he's solid because it's a, I think it's a surprise turn away from what we know the Malkovich personality or persona to be because it's I think as you said or somebody said at one point it's a very gentle performance except for when he's like it's my head yeah totally fair enough fair enough buddy what do you think Kylie? is Kerry your answer today?
1: For best actor?
0: For your favorite performance of 99. Or your, you can talk through more of them. I didn't pick one. I picked a lot of them.
1: Just performance? Yeah. I don't have to, like, worry about the, the character. Yeah. True I, story. I can just do a performance. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. You're not about to yell at me?
0: Are you about to pick, um, John Cusack? No. Okay. Then, yeah.
1: I don't like this film but I... I do really. Gosh, Josh. I do. I really like Brad Pitt's performance in Fight Club. Interesting. I
0: thought you were going with Edward Norton's performance in Fight Club. I also
1: love his performance. Yeah, no. The
0: performances are not the problem with Fight Club.
1: Yeah, it's everything else. (laughs) I also. Like, when I think about Fight Club, I think about how much I hate Marla, but, like, Helen Bowman Carter also does a good job with Marla.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's okay. We're gonna get there, Kylie.
1: Meatloaf. <laughs> I think so. I I think my best actor would go to Edward Norton for Freckle.
0: Okay, so that's sorry. cool. I'm so
1: sorry. You don't have to be sorry. I feel like it's a I good have performance. What?
0: Who are you apologizing to? I don't
1: know. My soul. <laughs> it hurts.
0: Oh, Kylie! Here, hang on. I got you this poster for your wall. Oh, God. It's a Fight Club. Oh, here it
1: is. And it will go nicely with this Boondock Saints one. Also
0: a ninety-nine film. Really? Yeah.
1: I I'm sorry, Josh. I also I'm also really, I'm also really, I'm also really like Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. You can like Haley Joel
0: Osment in okay. The Sixth Sense. I, just... I have come around to say I was wrong about that too.
1: He's a cute kid. Cute kid. Cute kid is cute. You know what Jeff said to me? What? Huh, Kylie, you're a lot like Cole in this, aren't you? Oh, (laughs) gosh. And this is not, this is, this is Jeff who has known me for ten years. Yeah. Not Jeff who has known me for some. Yeah. Well.
0: (laughs) Alright, well friends, if you want to tell us what your favorite performance of 1999 is, you can do so at com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button! Um... uh,
1: There's no iconic line. I didn't know you were funny. I'm silently jud- I'm silently judging you.
0: That helps us get more listeners. You... Oh,
1: dig it, Jokey! Give it to me again. Give it to me again. Let me give it to me again. Okay. You me try can it again. also hit that subscribe button. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Crap. <laughs> All
0: this stays in. <laughs> All of it stays in.
1: No, yeah. I, had a, I had a good one. What was it? And then I looked and I thought, oh, you, you're a giant since the line. No, there was an actual good... Oh, okay. Give it to me again. I, I have it. I have it. I remember
0: Super this time. <laughs> That's not it. I, have, no. it. I okay. have it. I have it. I have it. You can also hit the subscribe button. I see. People. You got there. I'm so proud of you. That helps us get more listeners, <laughs> and now on with the show. Um, <laughs> all right, Kylie. So we're here to talk about the films of 1999, uh, because uh, there is an overwhelming uh, movement in theater criti- er, in film criticism and on the internet that 1999 is quote unquote the best year in cinema and it is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year and so my brain was like huh best year in cinema challenge accepted so I wanted to watch through a bunch of these films and then I wanted to get there on the list but how many? Prior,
1: how many of these films appear on your 100 favorites I think that's an, I think I have three for sure
0: two three yeah.
1: Your two, I can name them, are the Iron Giant no. and 10 Things I... Yes. It's not the Iron Giant.
0: It is not the Iron Giant. Um, I would probably adjust some of these here. Okay. But, me just... I mean, it's not the Iron Giant. Election. It's election. Wow. Yeah. At 71 and 73.
1: <laughs> can you name my three? <sighs> <laughs>
0: The Matrix? hmm Sixth Sense.
1: Uh-huh. Boys Don't Cry. No.
0: Oh, okay. No. Um,
1: look at surface level, Josh.
0: Matrix Sixth Sense. What am I missing? What am, what am I missing?
1: The Iron Giant.
0: Oh. <laughs> Just look at the surface level. The Iron Giant. Okay, yeah, great. Perfect. Yeah, the Iron <laughs> Giant. Perfect. I don't know why. My brain, you in animated films, they're not like... Best of Friends, but I, that doesn't mean they can't be on your list. I'm
1: sorry that Hotel Transylvania is just three, is just the greatest animated <laughs> film of all time, and no one, no other animated film can rise to that occasion.
0: What, uh, what ranking are all those on
1: your list? Okay, um, uh, Sixth Sense is 51, The Matrix is in the 20s, and then The Iron, I don't know where The Iron Giant is. I'm gonna say
0: 84.
1: Nineteen eighty four. Uh, Spring scene, Madonna, way before.
0: Not eighty five. Get out of here with your nonsense.
1: Get out of here with your Where the heck is my one hundred favorite Oh there, I didn't delete it by accident.
0: There are some lists where I think I've done that, and I'm like, oh that's annoying. Like I just swear I've made my Star Wars Star Wars list like three times.
1: So the iron so the Iron is thirty one, the Matrix is twenty four and fifty one for the sixth cents.
0: There you go. Um so, the idea that 99 is the greatest cinematic year of all time uh, is coming up over and over again. And growing up, for me, I had always heard that the the greatest cinematic year of all time was 1939. Um, and so... I put uh, idea forth uh, probably a year ago or so at this point um, that we wanted to get on the calendar to do some sort of retrospective of 99 versus 39 or just to look at both years and see what we think on, on, on the films of those years. So we're starting here with 99. There has actually been quite a lot of bit of 1999 content. Several of the podcasts I listen to have had episodes on 99 in different ways, shapes, or form. Uh, it's been a year that's been thoroughly picked over, which is nice. I think that, that it is there. Before we jump into the actual movies that we're going to talk about. So Kylie got to pick the 99 list and I got to pick the 39 list. of uh, And we picked the 11 films... That we thought were the most relevant or the most representative. What did we how do we say that? It was the most Oh gosh. Influential, important. I don't remember what we said.
1: I don't know. I, I picked <laughs> ten films that I thought I thought were very well known from nineteen ninety nine or were major successes of nineteen ninety nine or have gone. Just like they had to have some relevance like i didn't put films on this list that i had never heard of uh-huh. um, or that i didn't think had some form of cultural touchstone fair where i feel like for the most part the 10 films that we have listed i feel are a decent representation of what we look of films that we still remember from 1999. Whether they were popular in 1999 or not. Because there is definitely one on there that was not popular in 1999, and it was later on
0: that I believe. There might be more. I think all of these have some form of lasting impact, though I do also think there's a couple of them on here that had a bigger impact at the time of their release than they currently do. Mm -hmm. So there's a really nice, like, just swash of film here. Um,
1: I am a swashbuckler. You
0: are, indeed. I'm a lot like
1: Amethyst. Hey, everyone, here's an update on our D&D group. Oh, yeah. We did not quit. Although, I definitely was about to just murder everyone because they tried to split into four groups instead of the two groups that are now there, and I literally crushed dreams to make them come back. Well. Sorry, I saved lives. I'm just gonna let you guys know if you guys split off like that you'd all just die because <laughs> I'm not changing the monsters that I have set
0: I, I, was, I was trying to do the adventure Kylie I really just want to do the
1: adventure you guys all think that you don't have enough time to get through everything that I throw at you guys and I just want you to know what is coming up it's called foreshadowing I'm not good at it yet but like I'm, I mean I'm you, just you also I, don't know what's coming up no one don't. told you. I don't no,
0: that's that was the part that got annoying is no one was telling me anything. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. On the way out, you said some of the NPCs actually like got more on board with me, and I was like, ha! Ah, goal achieved," kind of.
1: Let me let me tell you something. The leader of the NPCs is. Artemis. And uh-huh. If you can get Artemis on your side, you can get pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah, I figured as much. I'm really excited about it. It was good times. Artemis
1: um, oh, and Perry. Oh, Perry has so much power as well.
0: Yeah, Perry just wanted to quit in the fight. Well, <laughs> I was
1: no longer controlling him.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna saunter over here and shoot some arrows. It's fine. He only had a
1: crossbow
0: at the time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So, uh, before we jump into the individual films, 99 itself, uh, I want to just start to look at this idea of what makes 1999 the greatest... so-called cinematic year. Because when I started then looking back on these films, there is a lot of populist film in here. There's a lot of film that has made its way into the pop culture, but, like, I don't know if they're considered, like, these cinematic giants like if you were to make the updated AFI top 100 list i don't know how many of these films would actually even make consideration one i it, one the matrix
1: oh uh, ooh
0: okay
1: afi is like s- kind of smart right yeah they're kind of like like not push up my glasses sorry they're kind of like nose up in the air just okay. a little yeah I mean, I feel like the one that would have the best chance is Magnolia. Because they might look back... They might now look at who PTA is now. Right. And do a retrospective look at him.
0: I feel like, though, just because... not, I mean, listen, they have, like, four Spielbergs on there. So, like, they're not going to be really director. Like, we only got to get one on there for him. I just feel like in the... PTA canon. They're
1: gonna go with Boogie Nights Boogie or, Nights, there, will or there Will Be
0: Blood or even The Master or like that. I think is a little bit further down his list for a lot of folks.
1: Shouldn't
0: be. Shouldn't be indeed. I agree. Here's
1: what we should all do. We should think about all of his films on a continuing line. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> and
1: not as a up and down list. <laughs>
0: yeah. It goes heart eight and a bunch of them and then The Master goes down and then everything's back up here as all PTA fans hate me now
1: i wonder I, how many times have you seen it
0: once I f- Would
1: you be yes. willing? Yes. Right. Because
0: I firmly know that if I watch that film again, I'll probably like it better because my history- you with- a
1: shill. Because I'm a shill.
0: <laughs> uh, my history with PTA says that the more I watch a PTA film, the more I like it. Ergo, there will be blood, which is a movie that when I saw in theaters, I hated, and now is a movie that I love. So, there's that.
1: Have you seen, um, have you seen Heartache?
0: Uh, once a long time ago. Okay. Um, and I don't dislike that film. Yeah. I just it's, it's it seems very different than the rest of his canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I I mean you know it's his first time. He, he yeah. doesn't know how to hold the camera. Yet.
0: He's, he himself is trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: So ninety nine I think
0: is a good year, and I think it's a memorable year and an important year in a lot of ways. I still wonder how and why it gets. I mean, I I know because like finding 11 finding 11 films in 99 was actually kind of hard. Like oh. there there was a bunch that we had to leave
1: off. Yeah, there were a lot of films that you kind that Okay. Let's Let's just say some of the films that we left off and the reason. Okay. So, I automatically eliminated The Phantom Menace. Okay. Though I think that The Phantom Menace is actually a major influence on our modern day cinema um, in a weird way. We'll get to it later on. But we left it off because we're going to do a Star Wars retrospective later on this year, so... Yeah.
0: So, we didn't want to do it twice. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, So, that's one thing. The next thing is...
0: American Beauty. American Beauty. Um, oh, God.
1: I was like, Toy Story 2, we did an episode on I mean, it. yes, that's
0: an easy story. Toy Story 2, we did an episode on Toy Story 2. That's why it's there.
1: American Beauty, because American Beauty, in a way, acts as a time capsule for a, the middle class of America, and it's a snapshot of 1999, and people feel like it's a representation of 1999. However, we don't see the value of it.
0: really don't um I went so I can't remember who I was talking to or what I was listening to but like somebody said very very recently like very within the last couple of days like in order to uh, we can't just always cancel everything we also need to understand the context of where it was coming from and that is why with that being said I went back and we watched American Beauty and I had no intention of doing it until a couple of days ago um and I hated every second of watching it. Um, I skipped through many of the Spacey's Mina scenes. Um, I watched a lot of the film in double time because it was like giving me like just gross oogie boogies on the inside. And I stopped 45 minutes with like 45 minutes after the movie because I was like, I don't I don't need this in my life. I understand what it's saying, where it's going, I get what it's trying to represent, and I don't think it's a healthy representation of anything.
1: I mean, Josh, let, let me show you this, this video of a bag flowing in the wind. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Is, is, it, is it Sam Mendes? Is it really? Imagine, let's change the music of that scene from something like lighthearted and beautiful to something like a horror film And <laughs> the scene.
0: Is the same? Because that kid is creepy?
1: Yeah, however, we no longer... Feel that he's like an artist, and that's why he's creepy. I
0: don't, I don't know if I ever felt he was an artist as much of as a drug dealer. The um,
1: film wants
0: you to think it he's does. An it really, really does.
1: Um, I also think I said that the biggest, the biggest impact that Alan Ball, who's the writer of it, right, uh-huh. has had in American culture is in the form of television, and not in the form of Amer, not in the form of American Beauty.
0: What is his television? Nixon.
1: Six Feet Under. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. If <laughs> you did the peace signs, I was like, Nixon? I sure <laughs>
1: did, but no, no. Um, America. I think that Six Feet Under has actually gone to influence things and like Bartic is a Beauty. relevant thing far more. Than this.
0: American Beauty is a thing that probably rightfully should be canceled.
1: Okay, so fine enough. I'm gonna cancel it.
0: Uh, what, I'm gonna cancel it. <gasps> what else? Cancel is...
1: Kylie. <laughs> Can- cancel Kylie. <laughs> like, Cancel it, Kylie. I'm like Wreck-It Ralph. I'm going to cancel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good, I like it. Cancel it, Kylie. Done. Uh, I ended up watching about forty films for this because man, I went a little crazy, as Kylie said. Um, The my big omissions, which are not anywhere on our list, are Go. I didn't get to Go, um, which a lot of folks like. Uh, The Insider. I didn't get to the the Insider, and I didn't get to Summer of Sam. Is that man? Yeah.
1: You Michael Mann. You the did insider. it on purpose. Uh, it's
0: not available for me to f- watch for freezies.
1: Oh, okay. So did you try the library? No,
0: I didn't. Hmm. Um, I tried several other things besides going to the library, Kylie. Uh, you don't
1: have to go there. You just have to go and request it online. And then I have to go pick it up eventually.
0: Fair enough. Um. Also, the Richland Library doesn't have a large cinematic selection.
1: That's, they may have the insider, though.
0: <laughs> they might. Uh, they, and then Summer of Sam, which is Spike Lee's entry into this this year as well. The other interesting thing that I noticed... What's uh, that about? It's about the Summer of Sam? Like, uh, Son of Sam? Or... <laughs> like, Son of Sam, the killer in New York.
1: Really? Yes. Okay, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yes. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen
0: ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine is a stranger in that sense of it's also got a bunch of big name filmmakers making what are not their essential works. So we had Michael Mann, Spike Lee,
1: Sophia Coppola, Sophia
0: Coppola, PTA can count into there, um Brad
1: Bird? Or is this Brad Bird's
0: Brad Bird? Sure. I think that this is in the top two of Brad Bird's conversation. I even think at this point you can consider Fincher in that category. Uh, Spike Jones is in that category. Um,
1: Hanging out with Kaufman.
0: uh, Yeah, Andy Kaufman's there. Charlie Kaufman, yeah, sorry. Um, Tim Burton has a movie this year. What's his movie? Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Um, uh, Stanley Kubrick has a movie this year. Um, oh
1: yeah, Cooper died. Yeah,
0: uh, it's a lesser film in the canon of Disney because you've got Tarzan, Toy Story, um, Two. Toy Story Two, which eh, listen, if you're not Griffin Newman, you have a general solid opinion on that movie. So sorry, Griffin, I love you, but like not the best movie ever made. So sorry.
1: This is, however, the there are some. There's one filmmaker in particular where this is, this is the film, if not one other that's in contention is M. Night Shyamalan.
0: Yeah, M. Night's got his the film here, and I would say the Wachowskis have oh, yeah, their the Wachowskis. film here.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, it's not completely that, but, like, there is just, there's a lot of big-name film. David Lynch has a film this year as well called The Straight Story... Um, there is...
1: I don't know why I'm surprised that I haven't heard it. I don't know a ton of David Lynch.
0: David, oh, sorry, let me rephrase that. David Lynch has a film this year called The Straight Story, which was released by Walt Disney Pictures. Hey,
1: Josh, is yeah. going to be on Disney Plus?
0: Uh, I think it is. Um, it's
1: the white nature. Where do I go to look this up? Uh,
0: There's a, just a list if you Google okay. it. Yeah. The white nature. What
1: I is think the it's white nature? White na-
0: I think that's you what it's You said white called. wilderness white in your wilderness. text. that's what okay.
1: it's called. I think... Um, hey, so it's the original Disney Nature where they murdered all the lemmings. Oh. Yeah,
0: oh. so... <laughs> I, I don't know if that's gonna be there or not. Why? Okay, this is this bit that I don't necessarily... I get. I understand. I have a bit. <laughs> not, it's not just you. The Disney's
1: but... bit of killing animals? No, I don't know. no. It's a terrible bit. It's
0: a terrible bit. No. Um, there's a bit where everyone is like... Disney's going to release all these things onto Disney Plus. And then everybody's first response is they find their own unique thing that like, yeah, but what about this awful thing Disney did as a company? Is it going to be there? No. It's probably not going to be there. Okay, everybody?
1: A, listen, I had a genuine interest, okay? <laughs> I wanted to just know.
0: Also, oh yeah, sorry. Song of the South, not going to be there. I, listen, um,
1: listen. I think it would be a bold move. They put an introduction of, in front of it like they do with all of those yes. short films that they made yes. by that Mankowitz guy or L- whatever his Leonard name is. Leonard Maltin. Because Maltin. <laughs> is a Disney person, right? Sure. Maybe? Sure. I was like, Mouse Are you did thinking make, about the American tale, did, mouse? I make, did I make up a person? Anyway. Anyway. Alan Mankin. No, I don't know, Josh. Okay,
0: great. Sorry, let her <laughs> molten. Yeah,
1: let her, yeah, her molten to explain <laughs> how sometimes we make things and we have a reason for it and we're wrong and times change and, like, maybe it's okay to be reflective about
0: things. I wish Disney would also do this. It's not going to.
1: Okay.
0: Um, it, it is choosing to... Be woke in a very specific way and cancel lots of things. Which, again, sure, fine. But maybe have a healthy conversation about it. I also think they've announced... They announced and then unannounced. So we're all interested into what form Dumbo is going to be on there. Because there might be an edited version of Dumbo. Or they might just put the new one on there and not the old one. So, yeah.
1: How do I... Okay, so I just Googled... Uh, I googled White Wilderness Disney Plus, and then I'm on what's on Disney Plus, and it just says White Wilderness year 1958, type, feature, genre, live action? Yes, <laughs> then
0: it's, if it's on a list, it's gonna be there then. It's
1: not on a list, I'm on its own separate thing. Oh,
0: um, I would type in, Oh, um, it's, it,
1: sorry, you can get there from Disney Plus Library. Oh, there you go. How. Okay, I would say well, maybe
0: I would say it's a good, solid yes or maybe.
1: Well, a lot of people still think that Lumine's just mass genocide because of this doc, so maybe well, it has cultural relevance. Uh,
0: you also asked about a Benji film, and I don't know if Benji is Disney. Some Benji is,
1: yes, but yeah, like the Hunted, Benji the Hunted is. Are we hunting Benji? I I've made it. I've made a decision. I'm going to watch all their animal movies. Okay, this could be my shot.
0: Do you want to borrow the Disney nature films?
1: That's Josh. That's a documentary. I'm oh. saying animal movies, okay. as in, I'm gonna watch a dog run around for six hours and maybe talk.
0: Uh, not just a dog. <laughs> what was the one film that you were like, I'll subscribe if it has this? Oh yeah,
1: that darn cat. Yeah. I'm sorry. Correct pronunciation. That darn cat. Yeah. The 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 remake of it leaves off the exclamation point because I think that it knows how boring it is.
0: <laughs> because they're like Christine Ricci is all the exclamation we need.
1: She's not good in it.
0: Well, listen, child actors need good directors. I
1: agree. They shouldn't have remade this film. (sighs) Alright, Kylie. Yes. I
0: think we've been talking for a solid hour? Hour plus? Without getting to the actual movies of '99.
1: Okay. Well, maybe this will be a (laughs) two-parter. Who knows?
0: Life's a mystery. (laughs) The banter,
1: and then here we go.
0: How are we doing this? I've asked you this question several times.
1: I just I don't like the five-minute timer.
0: Oh, That's fine. I already kicked that out. And then
1: after that, I didn't care.
0: Okay, fine. Okay, so then we're gonna do a collaborative list. Here's what we're gonna do. All right. I need to get some paper for us. Okay. We're going to make a collaborative list, Kylie. We have 11. Um, we are going to make a list together. And we're going to draft this li- list together. And our goal is to try to go from 11 to 1 by the most. I'm going to let you choose the word. We can either do the most relevant film to today or the most influential film to today.
1: Let's do relevant.
0: Okay. The most relevant.
1: Alright, number one is Toy Story 2. We
0: go backwards.
1: Number one's Toy Story
0: 2. So, uh, we go from 11 there. Well, Toy Story 2, not on our list of films we're going to talk about.
1: We still keep Randy Newman around.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, what was I watching that had a dumb Randy Newman song at the end?
1: Probably Anything. It was
0: something in '99 where I was like, "This is an awful Randy Newman song."
1: You could have probably just said, "This is a Randy Newman song." We <laughs> it all, was
0: blast from the past. We
1: all—I mean, we all know we we so like it's just a synonym for the word awful.
0: <laughs> it was blast from the past, everybody. Just so you know, there's a there's a there's a real gem of a Randy Newman song at the end of that I movie. I give
1: Randy Newman exactly three okays.
0: They're all in the Toy Story franchise. They sure are. Okay. Um, oh, wait,
1: I have, I have a question. Uh-huh. Did he write When She Love? He doesn't perform yes. it, but he yes. wrote it. Okay. That, I th- give him three.
0: This is... Okay, this is my, like, debates. Okay, because I'm going to... Okay, okay, so i got to figure out what the three are. When She Love Me, You've Got a Friend in Me, and I Will Go Sailing No More?
1: That's him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I give him four.
0: Strange Things.
1: Wow, he... D- Okay. Yes,
0: he did all the music in all Toy right. Story. I'm
1: gonna give you. I, okay, I won't give you Strange Things. Okay, great. Strange Things is fine. Uh-huh. It's actually pretty fine. Yeah, it's
0: a good, just like, narration song. It's
1: also. It, I think the stupid. What's uh, a bug song is also fine. It's. dumb, but okay. Like, it. We're at the end of the. Book. What's
0: your third. What's your fourth now, I guess?
1: It's the We Belong Together in Toy Story 3. Okay, I perfect. I think that, that one. I.
0: We Belong Together, I give you, is okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, and then, uh, you also liked, oh, man, um...
1: Singing about monsters! I Will Go
0: Sailing No More. You like yeah. those too? Okay, fine. Those can be okays. I'm gonna give you that. I think there are two that are better than okay. Because you've got a friend in me. Uh-huh. I think is better than okay because of... Like it's lasting we same power. We are not talking about there. Randy Newman in this
1: episode. We need to focus.
0: But I will tell you <laughs> that I think that when she loved me, because it's only got his writing and not his performing, is probably like the best one that he's yeah. ever involved. Listen, but, all right. As
1: far as as far as good songs, I think that the four that I named are good songs. You're not wrong. I think that the rest of them are okay to hurtful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Kylie, you were going to yell at me for my list. Or, you know, you, sorry, you looked at my 99 list and asked me if I was high. Yeah,
1: you nominated Keanu Reeves.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay.
1: I, like, took a lot of issue with that. I
0: thought you were actually talking about, like, the ranking of some of these films. I
1: didn't make it that far. I stopped Uh. (laughs) at your best actor. All
0: right, so here are the 11 films we're actually going to talk about. Um, Fight Club, The Matrix, The Blair Witch Project, Office Space, The Iron Giant, The Sixth Sense, Being John Malkovich, Boys Don't Cry, The Talented Mr. Ripley, 10 Things I Hate About You, and Magnolia. So, we're making a collaborative list from 11 to 1, where our goal is to try to, not necessarily race on, like, the best film, but what is the most relevant film still to this day?
1: Josh, I don't know. Okay. You? How about you make this list and I'll call it
0: good? <laughs> no, 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 okay. We can do this, we can do this. Okay, do you want, uh, do you, okay, so if you- Why don't do, we just start in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you take the first pick here, you also get the last pick. Oh gosh, Josh. So, do you want me to take the first
1: pick? I don't have the, will I get number two? Uh,
0: so it goes, if it went KJ, 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 K-J K J.
1: False. You have the last pick. I don't get to pick oh. number one.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I get. I get stuck with number one. Okay. Relevant today?
0: Yeah, you oh, chose the word God. relevant.
1: I don't know. Being John Malkovich.
0: I think that's a good
1: pick. Oh, you okay, you make the argument why. <laughs> it's your <laughs> pick, Kylie. <laughs> um, being John Malkovich is a indie film, and while indie films kind of have a. Res- kind of gets some notice, especially in this year. I think that it's I think that it's one of the more the indie films that we've kind of more forgotten. I think that it it doesn't provide a lot of memorable performances from a lot of these people um, beside the John Malkovich thing with where he like freaks out, but we've seen that so many times yep. that it kind of feels it kind of feels dated without that subtle beginning. Mm -hmm. I think that as far as like it was a film at the time that was trying something to be weird and like quirky. However, I think that upon this rewatch we were kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. It was a little bit um, the things didn't work as well as the first time I saw them. Um, They were a little bit more it felt more off-putting at times than others.
0: Yeah, I think that being John Malkovich is a film that... Because we want to doing this, also, I also want to talk about the film itself. Um, but Being John Malkovich is a film that I think, when it first comes out... Because as you pointed out earlier, it's the first collaboration between Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones. And I think that they're, they've collaborated and done other things beyond Being John Malkovich. And therefore, this film, while I still think it has a really good center and core has just kind of eclipsed in each of their careers. And I think that as a film, it's not... You don't think of John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, or John Malkovich. Maybe John Malkovich just because of the name. And think of the film being John Malkovich. So in terms of that, also its theming and its ideas of what it wants to be about... Are not as important or relevant. And like we are dealing with identity in some ways. And I think that's really interesting.
1: I think we're also, I, I think that it's also dealing with the idea of the, of possibly like what we as fans do to artists. Yep. And how we can affect them. Um, however, it does it in a way that is very dated from our modern day because yeah. our effects on celebrity now are f- far. It's far, easier, it's far easier now for fans to c- have some contact with a celebrity than it was in the 90s.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this idea that there's this facade, this veneer in between us, this this like shield almost, mm-hmm. you know, um, is less and less because of social media. And so I think that there are lots of good, relevant things here, but I don't know if being a which has a real hold on society anymore. I also think one of the things... For me, that kind of turns me off on this film a lot is the Katherine Keener character. Um, I think she's giving a good performance. Uh, I do even want to quote her because she's like, I don't like that character either. Like, the character itself is... uh, It's hard. It is hard to watch that character. And for me, I would say out loud, like... It's hard to watch and relate to that character in any way, shape, or form because I don't feel that she's a well rounded character in any way, shape, or form. I think she's presented up until her turn at the end, where she actually has feelings towards someone kind of out of nowhere. She's a very cold, calculating, selfish, self centered character. And then all of a sudden, she's not. And that, to me, is very hard to watch, and we spend a lot of time with her in this movie it's also
1: a it's also a it's also a film that tries to deal with the idea of a man being slighted by what he believes he should have uh-huh. and what has like what society has quote promised him and that he has not been able to achieve that. yeah, but it doesn't do so in a very it may have been nuanced for 1999 but in 1999 we weren't ready to have this type of conversation that we are having in 2019.
0: Yeah, and I think that 99 as a year on the whole whether it be in terms of that or whether it be in terms of LGBTQ representation or in terms of many many things in this year. Which
1: we actually there's a lot of examples in this list that we have yes. of LGBT representation and there was there was one sure that i knew was going to be there there was one that i kind of knew was going to be there and then there were two i had no idea well i forgot about the i forgot about being john malkovich yeah i
0: did too like that was something that i really genuinely forgot was in this movie Mm -hmm. and i think that there's a lot of lgbtq representation through a lot of films in 99 some more healthy than others um but as the year whether it be in terms of like that or in terms of like the 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 male view of society or whatever it might be i think a lot of the issues that we're dealing with now in 2019 we're taking tiny baby steps towards recognizing that they're here in 1999 and i think that is a reason why this could be held up as a year that should be remembered is for no other for no other reason than just maybe we're starting some important conversations we're not having them as nuanced as we are now but we're really starting them and being John Malkovich feels like a good film to put here at 11 only because I think it's starting a lot of conversations, but not providing any answers or contexts.
1: One of the, there are a few films that start to have the conversation that I was bringing up with the, a a male view of society. And I think that this film at least tries to show that. I, I don't think it wants us to be sympathetic for John Cusack. No, I don't, it doesn't want us to be sympathetic
0: I I think it wants us to root for Cameron Diaz. I think that's who it wants us to root for. If it wants us to root for, maybe John Malkovich?
1: It may not want us us to root for anyone, because it's also, like, a little... It's bleak at times. Yeah,
0: it is. It's a very bleak film. Yeah. Um,
1: And so I think that it at least shows, like, John Cusack gets punished for his actions, which, you know, it's cool to see.
0: Yeah, but in this weird way of, like, his punishment is then he's forced to then live life while watching his uh, ex-wife and love interest be together forever in a relationship. Like, his punishment is to watch somebody else's eternal happiness. Mm-hmm. Which I think
1: is interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Cool. Being done Malkovich.
1: His punishment is also he can no longer control a puppet
0: yeah he he
1: has lost all of his control yeah i mean
0: the, the puppeteering element of this film is is
1: <laughs> you texted me like it's quite a metaphor kyla yeah. and i was like i was like no no the film the film makes it very blatant yeah
0: it's not not a metaphor it's, <laughs> it's just there yeah. there it is um cool all right i'm going to my number my my 10 pick is my favorite film of this year, which is Magnolia.
1: Yeah, because who cares about PTA?
0: So the <laughs> the word they're using is the most relevant film of the year. I don't believe, though. Any, Magnolia is my favorite film. I
1: don't believe anyone remembers Magnolia. Magnolia
0: outside of two elements.
1: Okay, let me think. Frogs. <laughs> Yep. I want you to know that I knew that frogs rain from the sky from before I even watched this yep. film. And I did not believe that that was going to be a true <laughs> statement as I started watching the film.
0: Yep. Frogs.
1: Do we remember Tom Cruise? Tom
0: Cruise. There you go. See, you did it. Those are the two things that we remember from this movie, though. I don't necessarily think that we remember anything about Tom Cruise as a character, but just Tom Cruise as like, Oh, he was good. That's what I think we remember about Magnolia. Because, I will say that when- He plays
1: a loud, brash character. He does. And he does, I mean, he does that a lot. However, this is one where we're supposed to just like him. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Question question mark? I don't think we're- Again, this is another film where we're (laughs) like, are we supposed to like- Anyone? We are. There are people that we like. Yeah, but John C. Riley. John C. Riley. His
1: friend. His best friend. His <laughs> only friend.
0: Uh, William H. Macy, is sympathetic character. Sad sack, but sympathetic character.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. William H. Macy plays himself. <laughs> 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 it's like PTA saw that that Fargo <laughs> oh, film and was like, "Say, <laughs> you remember what you did there? Lose the accent."
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But come do it in Boogie Nights first. <laughs> Um, oh, that's
1: that's fair. <laughs> that's super fair. You got me on that one.
0: Um, So, Magnolia is a film that is, a, uh, I don't know, I'm going to use a hoity-toity word. It's a poetic mosaic of human society. It's really what it is. What I love about Magnolia, what makes this my favorite film, is that it's a film that is exploring... Phew, human society at the end of the millennium and it is exploring it in all of its good and its bad things and my review of this film on letterboxd is basically it is it has elements of every other film in 1999 woven within its texture what pta does that i think is really unique even to his career is that he edits this film as an ensemble piece Differently than a lot of other ensemble pieces. He doesn't try to connect story beats together, he connects emotional beats together. And so there are like very different things that are happening, but when characters are feeling the same way, he puts them together in order to show that no matter who and where we are in society, we can still connect to each other on this emotion. This emotional human level. And that's what I love about Magnolia.
1: Uh, I think I texted you when I started the film. PTA, you need to calm down. (laughs) This film is three hours long. Yes, yes it is. I think that... I think that might be another thing because... Yeah. It is hard to sit down and always just watch a three-hour film. Yes, it is. And so that might be another reason. Um... It never feels bloated, though. Once I agree. start. I think I watched it in two sittings, and so... Um, once I started, and then when I finished, like... It was like, okay, well, everything feels like it has to be there. It's like, this isn't a master artist or something... <laughs> And I should just trust him.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> At this point.
0: But with that being said, even I, when I was sitting down to watch it this time through, I didn't think that I was going to like... It wasn't that high, quote unquote, in my PTA rankings until I rewatched it. And I was like, oh no. This is very high on my PTA rankings just because of its themes and its relevant to what it is. Um,
1: it's my number three.
0: I think it's two. one or two. Um... So, that being said, for those reasons, while I would argue, hands down, I think for me, Magnolia is the best film of 99, in terms of the most relevant film, I don't think we remember this film very much. I don't think that it's... Though, it does have a lot... Because, like, it's got that character who is... It's got so many things that are still true, because it's got... That character who is the talk show host who ends up being a very problematic Me Too, Me Too movement guy. Uh, we have a lot of issues between parents and siblings, parents and children um, in terms of like how we treat them and how what those things are. John we C. Have... Riley
1: who. By all means, we see as a pretty good cop. Yeah, does some things that are a little bit shady, and he uses his power as in yeah. a member of the police force.
0: Absolutely. So there's a lot of issues that are again relevant. Um. Oh yeah, that scene with the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and John C. Riley also yeah. just
1: him going to that the woman's yeah, apartment. Absolutely. Without without a warrant, without like yeah. any means, and he's looking around. He's taking. He's using his power as a cop to be able to get into her apartment. Yeah. I mean, after that, I don't feel like he uses his power against her, but there are things about it where, yeah. from a 2019 lens, I was very uncomfortable about. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then we've also got the William H. Macy storyline where we're looking a little bit at, like, class and societal issues in terms of, like, power structure and how... How
1: when you were a child star and now your life is bad.
0: <laughs> and now you're just being yelled at by Luis Guzman. So yeah. Also... Not Luis Guzman, sorry. Uh, Alfred Molina.
1: Oh, uh, okay. I was like, no, Stock himself.
0: <laughs> sorry, Luis Guzman is in the game show.
1: He is. He yeah. plays Luis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In the credits, he is credited as himself.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was like, good job stretching that. <laughs> yeah. Um, That game show is hard. That game show is ridiculous. Let's play. Yeah. What? No, Josh, oh, okay. Josh, if BJ th- if BJ started throwing those kind of questions at Geeks Who Drink, I'd be done.
0: <laughs> Alright, Kylie, any final thoughts on Magnolia? No. What do you got for number nine?
1: It's interesting, because these are the two films, like, there were some films that automatically just came to my mind as like, this will go on the list, and then it was like... It was really like set. It was like eight, nine, and ten. I was like, I don't know what to put here. And so Magnolia and being John Malkovich made it there by like almost necessity. Yeah. I
0: And I will say that I think that at least so far, I mean, Magnolia is certainly my favorite film of the year. There are films that I'm going to like less that are higher up this list.
1: I am going to go with The Iron Giant.
0: Ooh. Okay. I don't think that's... I don't think that's too low. I think that that might near be right. hmm Okay, go for it. Why? Uh...
1: The Iron Giant takes a really sensitive look at... Um, I mean, it doesn't, though. It takes a look at how we view, like, my alien from space kind of thing. <laughs> yes. However, the only difference is that... The Iron Giant is easily the most aggressive-looking thing, and it takes a gentle look at, quote, a gun that doesn't want to be a gun, as uh, he's said. Um, I think that this film shows a lot more of Brad Bird's uh, kind of vulnerabilities as a human, because I know that this is based off of his own tragedy in his life are yeah. based in quotations but it's inspired by that um, and I think that since then he has kind of gone away from things that make him vulnerable and he's gone to things that it's kind of more of like like, we talk, we've talk, we talked about how he goes for the exceptional people. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of, like, him almost being, like, this is my value to society is yes. the art that I can create. And I think that Brad Bird has lost a lot more of those, like, personal touches to being more like, I will make art.
0: I think he moves away from the emotional and towards the intellectual.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: that, that the two films in his canon the most that represent the emotion are the iron giant above all of them and then the incredibles um but iron giant itself i love i actually really love that sentence it's the gun that doesn't want to be the gun and in and, and coming towards it that way it is interesting to me that iron giant is the film on this list that i think is the biggest flop at the time And now has cultural relevance in a large extent to the point where it's in oh I don't have ready player fun um it's in ready player fun like the iron giant shows up
1: however in ready player fun it doesn't understand the context of what the iron giant is supposed to be yes I agree I think that the reason why the iron giant is so popular is it does the it does the it's a wonderful life thing it's played on television like I've I saw Mm -hmm. this on Cartoon Network all the time this was a film that I grew up with and from TV, and so I thought, like, it was a big deal. Yeah. It's not. It was something cheap that they could play.
0: Yeah. Uh... And then it emotionally just kind of comes along. And and I think it takes this really interesting and unique way of... It is a 90s film where it feels like it's playing off of some of these Spielbergian tropes because, like, it's a kid on a bike with a big, friendly thing. It feels E.T.-esque in a lot of ways. Um, But it comes at it and looks at it in a different point of view because it adds some paranoia in there and it adds... It adds adds the 50s
1: paranoia. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And so... What I think holds the Iron Giant up is that you mentioned its sweetness and its its heart that it has. This is another Jennifer Aniston kind of role as well. And and her voice is the only one in there that I listen to and I'm like, oh, that's a celebrity. It does throw back in a lot of ways to some other to some older times where it's like, oh, it's just these are characters. These are not celebrities voicing things there. And so why do I think the Iron Giant is a little bit lower on the relevant list? I still don't know if the Iron Giant is the most known. Um, film. I think this is a cult animated film and that there are many elements of it that are hold true, but you said really well, it misses, I think society misses the point of the Iron Giant a Mm -hmm. lot. Big, cool, giant, metal robot that wants to be Superman is kind of what they see. It's
1: pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My, my take on the
0: 1999 is, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
1: Uh, and I don't, I don't even think Brad Bird. Like, we know who he is, but like, I feel like a lot of people in just society, like, they know what Ratatouille is, they know what Incredibles are, but I doubt that a lot of people connect that those are, those are made by the same person. Yeah,
0: those are Pixar, is mm-hmm. what those are.
1: And like, yeah. I I doubt they even view, they even connect anything like Tomorrowland or. Um,
0: Mission, Mission Impossible, impossible
1: 4 to yeah. to anything of Brad Bird other than us being like, this is the guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Alright, um... I am gonna go with the Talented Mr. Ripley at number 8.
1: I don't have to break your heart.
0: No, I know where it is. Josh
1: just gave a lot of people... I don't know how many it gave them their start. I don't know most of these celebrities like... Careers. However, it's really interesting to have... I'll even go, like, the top five leads or six. I don't know. Like, they're... Damon. Damon. Law. L- oh, I was going to go with Paltrow.
0: Paltrow, sorry. Huh?
1: Uh, Jude Law. uh, Kate Blanchett. Philip Seymour Hoffman. The dad is familiar.
0: James Cromwell. Yeah. No. The
1: guy that he kills at the... Oh, spoilers. The guy he kills at the end <laughs> also looks familiar. I don't Jack know if...
0: Davenport. Yeah! No.
1: Wow, I got so many people
0: yeah. in this. Um, and Jack Davenport is probably the one in here that doesn't break big, but he's still in the Pirates franchise. Yeah. Um, like, people know who Jack Davenport is.
1: We, we're like, that's a face I've seen.
0: I will say that I think the only, like, small, like, correction mm-hmm. I will say in there as well is I don't know if, I don't think this was anybody's Breakthrough, breakthrough. But I think it's everybody's elevation. Okay. You know, in terms of, like, these are the stars of the next generation. Blanchett might be, this might be her breakthrough. I don't totally know the career of her arc there. But, like, Peltro has an Oscar. Jude Law... Is yeah,
1: she has one for Shakespeare in Love,
0: right? Yes, yeah, she has one for Shakespeare in okay. Love. Damon has one for uh, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, right. Uh, wow. Ju- yeah, like Jude Law <laughs> is. Oh, man, I'm trying to remember what Jude Law did prior to this film to make him a big deal. Um, But they were all. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, I think he's on the way up, but he'd he had done a lot of the PTAs. He sure is and a big character. <laughs> yeah. Um, Though so he's got like three. Four scenes in this movie?
1: Yeah, and when I recasted him with Ezra Miller, you were like, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe Ju- this is Jude Law breakthrough? Maybe I will say this, because prior to this, let me let me just- Can
1: I can I say something yeah, really? Before... What has Jude Law done? <laughs> like we all know him, but really, what has Jude Law
0: done? <laughs> uh AI, Cold Mountain, uh, Sky Captain, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, series of unfortunate events. Yep, just
1: keep hanging yourself. Oh my gosh, Josh.
0: <laughs> Alfie.
1: <laughs> he's the narrator in that. Um. Oh yeah, Hugo. Uh, uh
0: he's King m- Arthur, the Legend of the Sword. He's not Robert Downey Jr. in the Sherlock Holmes
1: remakes. Yeah, he's Watson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only had to get the second character there.
0: Uh, of course. Uh, Marvel s- a spy. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, you know what? He's the least relevant piece of spy because he shoves off.
0: I would dare say that Talented Mr. Ripley is the zenith of Jude Law. Like, it's the most Jude Law we're ever going to get. And then Spielberg was like, hey, you want to play a gigolo, right?
1: And people thought he was going to get Oscar.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, part of this, he's, I don't know, Midnight in the Garden, garden of Good and Evil... Gattaca.
1: That's a boring film. Is Paltrow in that? Who's the lady in Gattaca? Uh, no, it's Uma. It's Uma. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Alright, anyway. Yes, I think this film...
1: Is that, is that how they met?
0: Uma and Ethan?
1: Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Uh, who knows? I guess that's relevant cause yeah. now we have Maya. Yeah. Aw, oh,
0: there you go. <laughs> the... Most relevant film of 99, Gattaca. <laughs> Even though it was in, like, not 99. Alright. Uh, yeah, no, the cast of this film, I think, is what really holds its true into still relevance. Um, but the story itself and the film itself, I think is more beloved in cinema circles and film circles than it is in actual circles. I'm not sure if there are... I think if people remember The Talented Mr. Ripley, they're like, oh, I yeah, have that film! And that's how it is. But in a lot of ways, it represents, I would say... A lot of the folks that, like, youth culture... Like, meaning, like, teens and early 20s... Were, like, on board with in the 90s. Yeah. Being Paltro and Damon and Law and kind of that elk of, of the world.
1: Kind of like you were watching an important piece of cinema. You were watching a more mature piece of cinema. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. But your your people were still there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that the story itself is based on a Patricia Highsmith novel of the same name and is interesting. And like the psychological elements of the piece, I there's some good fun scenes, there is a lot of good performances, and the film is gripping and engaging all the way through where I think its conversation to society lands is in terms of its LGBTQ representation.
1: I think he has another one. Okay. I think that this one also has the idea of the man who has been... The, uh, the idea of the man who has been jilted from society. Yeah. Like his promise of society. Because the minute that he gets a taste of a life that he has viewed and, like, been around but hasn't ever been a part of, he takes it out in violence. Yeah. Because... He's not necessarily attacking Jude Law because Jude Law is like, you suck. He's attacking Jude Law because Jude Law is about to take him away from his society. Yeah. That he wants to be a part of. And so the moment that the promise is taken away from him, he acts out in violence.
0: And there's just, like, we don't get a lot of these really well-made kind of psychological thrillers anymore. And it's not... There's not a single horror element among this whole film. But I do consider this, if I had a psychological thriller category, this is where I would put The Talented Mr. Ripley. Because it is a... It is there is this kind of like aspect of the film where you don't know what Ripley's going to do through this whole thing, except for you do know that the moment he gets threatened, something bad is going to happen. And then to watch this character try to thread the needle, so to speak, and get get his master plan just oh so perfectly, and every time you think he's going to do it, it falls apart, is captivating. And I don't say that in the way of like, I'm rooting for Ripley, because God knows I'm not.
1: I think the film, though, struggles with that. Yes. And then it wants us to root. And I think that that's another issue with the film. Is when, at the end, where he has to... He makes a choice, because he knows his the life that he wants is threatened again. He plays this like sad, sad song for poor Ripley, and I'm like, you murdered people! And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to feel bad for him right now.
0: Yes. And I agree with you there that it's trying to there. I think it tries to make him a sympathetic character. Um, but.
1: I don't think it's at that successful. I agree it's, with that. Um, I I read the original novel. I only read the first one. I didn't read all five. But it felt much more pulpy. And it. I don't remember if it's as sympathetic to him.
0: I don't think it is per se. Mm-hmm.
1: And I... at the end, the ending of it, I remember, is that he has the life he wants, but it, he talks about something about, like, he's on the boat and he worries that when he gets to the dock, like, there's going to be police there. He's like, my life now is going to be I'm running away from people. And he doesn't kill the guy at the end in the book. He only kills two people in the book. right.
0: So the film takes subtext from the book. And I will say that I've not read the book. Where I'm getting some of this information is... Um, what's the difference? W- what's the difference? is I read an interview with... Oh,
1: really? You didn't get from what, what's the difference?
0: Oh, no. I didn't watch the What's the Difference. <gasps> I don't know if there is one um, that I, I just either. figured. Yeah. And it, it, I fully think that in this film, we're exploring Ripley's sexuality as his quote unquote Achilles heel and that the film looks at this character in this way where anytime that his homosexual feelings come forward that's where he gets into this trouble and then this murderous rage comes out because he can't feel the way that he wants to feel and society is telling him to, bur- to bury those feelings deep inside him and it comes out in a murderous rage. I think that's what the film is talking about in a lot of ways. Which I don't then think that it wants to condemn those things. I think that the film wants to mostly... The reason why the film wants you to have sympathy for Ripley is because of because uh, society is forcing him to do these things.
1: It's interesting that we take these different looks. Because yeah. I don't have as much of that reading on it. And I wonder if it's also just because at this point in film history. Yeah. Like, man, we sure have done this a lot. Yeah. And so when we get to the talented Mr. Ripley, to me, I was like, I've, I was looking at it more of like, oh, we're just, I mean, like, our villain is a member of the LGBT because that's what film society has done for many years. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, don't, I didn't have that read on it. Yeah, absolutely. I took it as the read of, um, you know... He his promises have been stolen from him. Yeah, but it's in it's in. I mean, your reading is also very valid. Yeah,
0: and I, I wouldn't say that there's. I I also like I, I see and I like your reading as well too. And that's what I really like about the Talented Mr. Ripley, is that there's a lot of ways to look at the film, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of readings on it as well. And I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer and looking at the film. And so I I'm the reason the Mr. Ripley is is on our list because I thought it would be an interesting conversation to have in terms of representation in the 90s. Because I think that there is a way to look at the there is the way to look at the film, which I think is the very 90s straightforward way of what I think could actually be represented, presented, which is he's the villain of the film and this is and, and is an LGBT character as the villain of the film. I, I think in only diving deeper into some of the elements you were actually pointing out to me where it was like, does the film want like this music and does it want us to care for Ripley made me look at things a little bit differently as I was reading it. I was like, well, if I'm supposed to care for Ripley, then I think that the film is trying to say something more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who directed this?
0: Joe Mangella? Anthony Mangella, sorry. Anthony Mangella, sorry, Joe and Anthony Russo, no. Um, the Ma- Anthony Mangella, who's. Joe pre- and
1: Anthony Russo? Is that who you just said? <laughs> well, I'm making the remake, everyone.
0: <laughs> the Russo brothers.
1: You're ready. Yeah. Buckle up, everyone. It's going to be intense.
0: Anthony Mangella, whose previous film to this was The English Patient and he has
1: a, he. Uh, he's the reader he's the reader right is uh, he the reader
0: he's cold mountain is he the reader he's not he's not i'm sorry he's not the reader <laughs> he is josh
1: who did the reader <laughs> we gotta find out <laughs> wait wait josh yeah. My bad. His name is Anthony Miguel- 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 yeah. Miguel- yeah. He's a producer of The Reader. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. The Reader is directed by Stephen Daltrey. Yeah. Okay. Who also did...
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know. Billy Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 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 <laughs> I was going to say, like, this feels so like...
0: <laughs> and The Hours and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. And apparently the Wicked musical that's coming out or he did wicked on Broadway? I don't know.
1: You know what Billy Elliot doesn't really fit no, in that.
0: Do. Yeah. Uh it does if you include Wicked. Sure. Yeah.
1: We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um all right. Okay,
1: I'm I'm so sorry You're for okay. for yelling at yeah. me. Like he did the reader. <laughs> he only gave it money.
0: Yeah. He only helped it birth to bring to life. Yeah. Um so yeah, Ripley. There it is. Uh yeah, Anthony Mangella who this is his follow up to his Oscar winning English patient. It's interesting to me that he does the English patient and then Cold Mountain on either side. Because this, which I I think is. Cold Mountain. Uh, Cold Mountain is a weird Jude Law film. You literally
1: brought it up like eight (laughs) times in this conversation. And I don't ever think that I've given any recognition that I know what that means. So
0: it's Jude Law
1: Uh and
0: Nicole Kidman and Renee Zellweger, who wins the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for Cold Mountain. Really? Uh, Yes. Um, And it's like it's a civil war era film i
1: don't care anymore
0: <laughs> in which there's a love triangle <laughs> so you're that happens no, no i wrapped it up much faster but anyway my whole point on this is ripley i think is the best of his three of those three films with that run of like successful films but is the least like awarded so to speak it, in, anyway yeah all right what's next
1: oh no josh Hey, this this film's got to go higher, because I have a great argument. Yeah, a great.
0: I think there's a there there's a
1: film oh, gosh, that if we
0: get it here, we actually draw a really nice clean line. Fight Club. No.
1: Oh, sorry. Is that not the? That nice that clean wasn't line?
0: what I was gonna say. But if you want Fight, to be here, uh, is it Boys Don't Cry? It is Boys Don't Cry.
1: Yeah, we don't talk about that film. We let a lady direct it. We don't do that anymore.
0: I mean we actually do it more now than we did for a good 15 year period
1: I know you were like let's put the virgin suicides on here for more representation and I said nope I'm not watching that film again Josh
0: (laughs) I watched it it's
1: so boring
0: it can be at times (laughs) alright boys don't cry
1: Just, I don't know what to say here, I got a great thing. Okay. Okay. You, when you watched this, you didn't know it was based on a true story. Yes. Uh, oh, which I actually found really interesting. I feel like, I feel like with Boys Don't Cry, it's one of the few, recogn- it's one of the few films featuring a trans character that, mo- that people may be able to name. This is the one that has the best shot Yeah. since 1999. There haven't been a lot of things that are willing to take a look at that. There are a few, but most they're almost always going to be indie films. They're going to be films that don't reach a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as far as representation, especially of the trans community, we have the biggest one is probably Orange is the New Black mm-hmm. which is a private platform. It's yeah. once it's still not it's still not out there for public, but I mean, yeah. enough people can easily go and buy Netflix, but then
0: I would maybe say the last not last, but one of the more recent ones that got a lot of attention and again, I'm going to I'm going to say this out loud and and fully knowing that like there's some mis, maybe misremembering. Um it's Jared Leno's character in Dallas Fires Club. Yes. Um, and that, that character almost instantly went from like winning awards to super controversial. Mm-hmm. So I just think that, that it, it is a character in the conversation, at That's least.
1: Yeah. yeah, um, I totally, I definitely yeah. forgot about Dallas Byers Club. Um, I mean, who didn't? I, I didn't because I always bring up in Fight Club, like, this is the only guy with a nightmare. <laughs>
0: we're gonna fix that we're gonna try to fix it motherless
1: brooklyn here we (laughs) go um so it's interesting that i think that i think that we are trying to give more representation tv has done a much better job for um especially gay and lesbian characters um i think some movies are finally getting there i mean we got our first teen rom-com mm-hmm. that was sh- straight up about it from the beginning. Yeah. um, And it's marketing and everything, which I thought was a huge step. Um, I know that we're slowly, tr- we're slowly getting there. TV has, TV just feels like it's gone so much faster. It has. And it really has. Yeah. I, I did... so, uh, and the
0: mm-hmm. streaming platform has helped that mm-hmm. because we are able to target more niche audiences and therefore you don't have to try to hit all six quadrants with things
1: that's fair i i mean but even something like modern family mm-hmm. that had two uh, openly gay men in it who yeah. were a couple who had adopted children like yeah that was and there was this huge big deal that in the background they kissed at one point and it was like wow like, look at this. And I was like, okay, guys, calm down.
0: Well, I mean, Kylie, Beauty and the Beast 2017 does have that openly gay moment. I mean, you know, steps are being taken, Kylie. They're not. They're not. i <laughs> like, good job, Lefou- good job <laughs> on your openly gay moment. I'm really proud of Disney, you. Disney,
1: <laughs> you are more, you might be doing more harm when you go and you make these big press tours. Just, to stop. Just let it happen in the film more organically.
0: And Disney is in a really difficult situation. And I'm not saying that I think, I think Disney can do and probably should do better. I will start this sentence with Disney can do and should do better in terms of their films. I will say in terms of their company and their parks and all there, they're a very LGBTQ positive company and they represent it in many ways. But they put out films for an, a global audience and they have to hit every quadrant of there. And there is a large section of this world, not even this country, that are still very anti-LGBTQ and... They're a company first and I'm not defending them, but that's at least why I think they have to do their, oh, we have this openly gay moment or the the moment in Endgame where the Russo brother admits that he has a boyfriend, you know, like they're just small moments rather than large moments. Um, and they are pandering in some ways to try to hit that quadrant, you know? So they're, they're walking a thin line Mm
1: -hmm. and I
0: appreciate that they're walking it, but I think they should do more.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that I have, the biggest issues I have with Disney and these things is that they go on these huge press tours and they act like we, we just like Green Book, we fixed it. We, I mean, they, they're not saying they fixed the problem. But they are, they are boasting more than I think that they're actually doing. They're, agreed. Their their bark is a lot bigger than their bite. Uh, agreed. Um,
0: Transitioning back to Boys Don't Cry. Oh,
1: yeah, right. <laughs> Here we go. Boys Don't Cry. Um, I think that one of the conversations that actually surrounds this film a lot, it's interesting that you brought up Dallas Buyers Club, because that is something that we are f- far less forgiving of mm-hmm. than Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. And I think it has to do with the context in which when the film takes place. Um, I don't think that actors unions cared much about supporting trans actors. I think yeah. that I think that now we are wanting to have more positive representation and represented by people by trans actors to play trans roles. and I think that that is a great thing. I think in 1999, I don't know if the director, had all the sense to even think about Harry and a trans actor or how she would go about finding.
0: And I think that part of that difference is in how Hillary Swank approaches the role and how Jared Leto pro- approaches the role. Jared Leto was like, look at this giant transformation that I did and he made it all about himself. Whereas even in my memory, Hilary Swank was out there saying like, we did this for the memory of, um, Brandon? Brandon Tina. Brandon Tina. Yeah. Um, and and like, that was her message. She's like, we wanted to get this story out there, and I was the person chosen to do that. you know. And I think that's a healthier and a better way to go about putting the story forward.
1: And I also think that the mother of Brandon Tina has come out and said that she doesn't necessarily like the film, but she likes the influence of that it gave members of the LGBT community a platform to even begin to stand on. Yeah. Which I think is something that this film does that the talented Mr. Ripley doesn't. Yeah. And agreed. is not concerned about doing. Yeah. Um, it's also, I find it really interesting that nowadays we hear a lot more about stories again about violence against trans women, where this is, this is probably one of the more popular um, violence against, Uh, a trans person and it happens to be a trans man yeah um i think that it and i wonder if that's the movie or not i think that the with matthew Shepard and with brandon tina this is the this is the beginning of the lgbt rights rising up again this is more of the platform that even now today we still see i think that boys don't Cry is doing something where it's trying to do what's right and yeah the film is a hard watch at it times.
0: is it is a very hard watch um, I sat down and I, I also told you afterwards like I thought I'd seen this whole film and I hadn't i um, I only got to a certain point in it and then I, I I must have stopped watching or left or something and then it's because I knew
1: well, you actually accidentally only watched Halloween 2? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um and so I had, the the last part of this film hit me like a ton of bricks. Um and it it's not that I think that you can't see it coming cuz you totally can. Um it's that just you you see it and you live with it and you feel it and like it is something that i think between this and the laramie project because the laramie project which is about matthew Shepard, is the the of these two stories that was the one that i was um more aware of we had studied that play in my senior drama class and I, being a theater kid, like the Laramie Project was brand new. And like, it was, that that was the story that was told to me on there. So, well. so I knew of Boys Don't Cry, just didn't quite have a lot of personal connection with it. But to physically at the time see something like this and to give a face and to give a recognizable story and visual images to this Hateful problem in America, I think, is as big a step forward as the movie being good and well made and well performed. Uh, those are equally important, you know. Um, the fact that Hillary Swank wins the Oscar this year for this role, I think, is as shocking as anything, um, because if her main competition at the the year is a net Benning, which it is. Um, Annette Bening seems more like that classic role that they're gonna give it to. They're gonna give it to this lady who's playing the the role that everybody can relate to, this wealthy woman who's got a crazy husband and all of the da 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 da. Certainly
1: we gave it to Kevin Spacey.
0: We did. We did give it to Kevin Spacey. Um, you know, um and so yeah, I just
1: I haven't even heard of half of these films.
0: For the other nominations? Yeah,
1: so Janet McTeer in Tumbleweeds. Uh Uh-huh. It's about the restaurant. Julianne (laughs) Moore, The End of the Affair. I know who Julianne Moore is.
0: But The End of the Affair is, like, her third movie of 99.
1: Meryl Streep for Music of the Heart.
0: Which is this... It's... Okay, do you know the
1: film Mr.
0: Holland's Opus? Nope. Okay. Um... So they're the same film. Uh, but let me do this. So Music of the Heart is like Meryl Streep is a music teacher in a at-risk school.
1: Oh, it's based it's the it's Small, based on true won- story. small Wonders. Yeah. Based on the documentary Small Okay, I know yeah. what Small Wonders is.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So yeah. Um Yeah, I just think I I there. Um Why this is lower on the relevant film for me and why I think that there's a clear line to draw here is, is because I would say out of the six films that are left, those are the films that I think people remember and they talk about and they're referenced a lot. They're memed to death. These ones that are below, these five that are below... This This
1: art? These pieces of
0: art? They're films (laughs) that have themes and relevance and ideas that are still very talked about and relevant. All of this conversation we've been having is absolutely relevant to 2019. But I don't know if these films themselves are a part of the conversation unless you know them.
1: How did the Cider House Rules get two wins? What's its other one besides Kane? Um, a it was uh, uh, adapted screenplay. Shut up!
0: All right, uh, let's do this. Who's pick? Uh, it's mine for six. All right, we've got ten things: six cents, Office Space, Blair Witch, Matrix, Fight Club. I'm gonna say this is where Office Space goes.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm so sorry that I tried to put it at the end. <laughs>
0: I mean, it, listen, we have a tendency to want to put our, uh, our least favorite films near the bottom. Totally fair.
1: Josh, I just, <laughs> Josh, just feel like it doesn't matter until I started talking about it. I was like, well, and that's
0: why I was like, yes, was it's like, a little bit higher. Was like, crap. <laughs> as you, as you Josh, mentioned, go you ahead. You
1: want to know what the most significance of this film is, yeah. is that it gave, it gave the generation before me the idea that millennials are the worst. Yeah, it does. Because it looks at the Ron Livingston character and just is like, that's what a millennial is in 2019. That's all they want.
0: Yeah, but it's all Gen X wanted. Also, they just didn't take it. Yeah. Um. So
1: this reason. Ron my
0: Livingston is the worst in this movie.
1: I like not his performance, but generally
0: his, his character. dislike this character. I'm like, what? Are like, get a new job. Go find something you want to do. Don't just live. Off. You're the worst. I so hate you. Like, if all you want to do is slack off, go slack off then. Go. Ugh. I dislike him. He's mean. It's mean to his friends. It's mean to his coworkers. He's
1: very judgmental. Against he is. Gen- Jennifer Aniston. He is. Jennifer Aniston is the one who like is far more sympathetic in her work situation because the whole time. She's just like, I put on the 16 pieces of flair. And she doesn't like her job either. But she does it. She does it. And, you know, she follows the rules. And every time they're like, well, we just want you to be a better you than you are. And so then just make that the rule. And Jennifer Aniston is just <laughs> trying to do her best. And they keep yelling at her to put on more pieces of flair. And she doesn't want to. They're like, we want you to express yourself the way you want to re- <laughs> to express yourself. <laughs>
0: I think she should just come in with every ounce of her body covered in flair to the point where she can't do her job. (sighs)
1: She's she's far more relatable as someone who doesn't like her job, but she recognizes it as, this is something that that I gotta make my means to an end, and so, like... (sighs) And she...
0: Yes, yes, I agree. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I had a more point to add on to that, but I. Correct, Kylie. Uh, correct, Kylie. <laughs> let's move on. Um, even Gary Cole's character, who is the boss, is more, frankly, relatable than this stupid Ron Livingston character. I'm so sorry that, I, that the people out there are going to screw that statement, but here's why I say It's because, yes, he comes over with his forms, and he's like, I need you to fill these out correctly, and I need you to do your job that I'm asking you to do.
1: Yeah, just do it correctly! Just take, take what they say, say... Thank you. Next time, I will try better. Like, try to improve yourself, Ron Livingston. Uh, and this boss is not the worst. Everyone acts like this boss is the worst. Just tell him I can't come in on the weekends. He doesn't even. He doesn't even try. That. No, he doesn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I get like your job's on the line, apparently, or something. Um. Okay, so this kind of brings in another theme that I think is through a lot of 2019 movies, and it's this idea of the workplace and the what society has become. So the 90s themselves is this kind of real boom decade that's in between the fall of um, the Berlin Wall and 9-11. And the issues that are apparent in this decade, which are rampant in 1999, is your society sucks... Your job sucks, you're a cog in the corporate machine, and how do you find your own identity within, outside of this corporate awful machine?
1: And I will definitely say that those, that is for, especially white males. Yes! In the yeah. 1990s, um, because I don't want, I don't want to take away things from like, you know, the, the AIDS crisis is still very much yes. a thing, yeah. um, the LA riots. Yes, Uh, so, so I think that this is very much a viewpoint of the problems that society faces with one specific... Yes, and I agree with that. Especially even just, like, a middle class. Yeah. Like... I, I think that I, I don't I don't want you to be like this was the only problem in the night. No no no,
0: yes, I agree. Thank you for clarifying because as we talked about there are many other things. But I guess you as you said, for the white male, therefore the people in power in cinema in or the world at this time, this is what the main issues are. Mm-hmm. Um, and not the only issues by any means. Thank you for that good clarification. No
1: problem. So we got get
0: your back. Yes. Um so we get this in office space. This is example of... Of this dude that's like, no man. If all I gotta do is buck the system by just not caring, lolololol. LOL, LOL. I don't know. We don't like Office Space, everybody. I'm so sorry. There are some jokes that make me laugh. Uh, the neighbor, the neighbor makes me laugh. I like the neighbor. The guy who's also on the Drew Carey show.
1: Um, what do you feel about Milton?
0: Swingline stapler guy.
1: Okay. Yep. <laughs>
0: Fine, he also makes me laugh, but his character's one joke, and it's stretched out the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I like Steven Root as an actor, and I think he does a good job with the two lines that he's given. He has more than two lines, but he just repeats them over and over and over again. I'm on my way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm on, on my, my way. way. I'm that's on my, my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that, that's him. My stapler, my Steven stapler. My stapler. Uh, the joke has been driven into the ground by the internet, but it's a good joke. I like that joke. Uh, smashing of the copy machine. Solid. Good thing. I feel that anger at times. Like, I guess maybe, I, to me, think that this is a very generational movie in a lot of ways. Because I think in a lot of ways, as you mentioned, millennials, we've come to a point where we're like, well, cool, if your job sucks, make it better. hmm try to figure out how to live within the machine that you're in, not try to break the machine.
1: Yeah. Another thing about this character is that Ron Livingston at the end seems like he's making, like, he's changing as a person. And he goes and he, like, one of the thing at the end it kind of tries to, like, save his character. Yeah. But one of the things that I found annoying is that he's going through, he's going to make this self-sacrificing, um action that will lead to consequences and he puts it under the door he walks away and then he immediately tries to grab it again yeah which then tells me okay well he hasn't actually really changed yeah absolutely um and then no worries everything's fine all is good um
0: i think that its relevance is i think that the office space's humor is really present in a lot of comedy today I think that this idea of sticking it to the man holds through office like the office place comedy I think stems almost directly from office space Um, I think that the film is fundamental in a lot of ways Uh, and I do think that there are moments of the film that work I just Ron Livingston's character is such a I just don't like it at all yeah. Yeah. I was like, you like this movie less than I do, which is yeah. which is fair.
1: I talked about this film when um, ten films that we hate that everyone else loves.
0: Yeah, ninety nine. The films of ninety nine.
1: There's there's another one. It's on there. There's another there's one. There's three. There were three that I hated.
0: No, one one of them's your. So one of them we both did, mm-hmm. and then the oh. other one I think is just mine. I
1: thought you meant on. Wait, you, you you put that on your list that you I hate? I
0: thought I did. I don't think you did. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm pointing to Toy Story 2, everybody. I
1: don't think you said you hated that film. Oh, okay. Film. Fair
0: enough. <laughs> I don't hate that film either. Exactly. No.
1: Though we actually went with films we hated. Oh, okay.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. That's 19 of my whole year.
1: Wow. I know. You, you give it a lo- lower star rating than The Sixth Sense, but the... So the Sixth Sense?
0: Okay, here's why. Here's why. Because if you tell me that I, can want, that I have to watch either Toy Story 2 or The Sixth Sense, I'm going to pick Toy Story 2. Okay,
1: but you're watching it with me.
0: Okay, I'll pick the Sixth Sense for you. (laughs) But if I'm watching it for me...
1: You should see my reactions to the Sixth Sense, because you'll be like, what is wrong (laughs) with Kylie in this moment?
0: Alright, we're at the top five.
1: Like, he doesn't have glasses. (laughs) He doesn't have lenses, and I just started crying.
0: What are you you picking at five? I don't know, Josh. (laughs) At this point, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think they're all... Mm. Well, I mean, I think there is to some way, but also No, not.
1: Josh, there's one that has to be in the top three, if not the top two, if not the number one.
0: Well, I think I know what those are, too. Well,
1: I don't think you do. I'm oh, going to okay. put 10 things I hate about you. This was the good Are
0: you sitting with the Friends
1: theme song? Yeah, that was in the 90s, right? Yeah, okay. but like.
0: Okay, why 10 things? I
1: don't know, because the teen films are dead. Um, you no, know, I'm going to take... <laughs> Retract. Uh, yeah. Um. Teen films aren't dead, but a lot of times the uh, popular teen films nowadays are in the form of... We're going to... We're going to adapt... I guess this is an adaptation of literature, but we're adapting a film, a book series, that is about uh, these kids having to die. Mm-hmm. We don't get as many simple stories. Um, this year... Was it this year? Was Every Day this year or yeah. last year?
0: Yeah, it was this year.
1: Okay, so we have a film like that. We also had... Um, oh, wait,
0: no. Every Day was last year. We
1: also get, like, Love, Simon, so there are still some simple ones. Yeah. But I think that we don't get as, like, happy-go-lucky as a 10 uh, Things I Hate About You kind of film. I yeah. think that when we appeal to teens, we are now appealing in terms of violence and threats of danger.
0: Uh, uh. Where 10 Things exists is on Netflix. There are a ton of Netflix original teen rom-com movies and many of the students who i work with know and watch them um and they'll come talk about them and they'll be along those things so i don't think the genre is dead Mm -hmm. i think the genre is dead in the way that it was presented previous to this um and so that's where i think its influence is still very strong but not necessarily in theaters per se
1: um i think that this film that's that's fair I think that this film also just isn't. This film is very much thought about in terms of the '90s, and not so mm-hmm. much in terms of today. Yes. And so, with it, with some of its, if this film, looking at it with a 2019 lens, its problematic elements we don't bring up as much. We're, yeah. we're far, we're far more forgiving about it, and in some ways. We should be in some ways. We shouldn't be. Uh, not not necessarily this film, but, like, just yeah, our agreed. history in general. Yeah. Um, and I, as, as crude as this might be to say, I don't think that, other than... I, mean, I don't think that a lot of the actors from this have made a huge career for themselves outside of Heath Ledger has.
0: Yes, that's the one that I would say, yeah.
1: Joseph Gordon Levitz is also known, but he doesn't make movies anymore.
0: No, yeah.
1: And so like... in the, um, like
0: Outside of Hustlers, Julia Stiles hasn't been anywhere in a long time. Yeah, Julia
1: Stiles is someone who occasionally pe- appears in a film every now and then. Um, and Heath Ledger, I don't think this is the film where we're like, oh yeah, Heath Ledger. That, yeah. that feels more like this to broke back to the Joker.
0: Dark Knight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I agree.
1: I think that those are how that's how we define Heath Ledger's er, career. And
0: I agree with you I would say 10 things is on like the Mount Rushmore of Heath Ledger's films Mm -hmm. Um, and this is his breakthrough and that he's the lasting element of the film, and, and even though he's not still alive with us today, I think that when you think about Ten Things, his performance and his him and Julia Stiles together are what really holds through. I like the movie. I think it's a cute, fun rom-com, um, and it is it is um, a joyous film to watch. Its problematic elements, again. <laughs> I think it's joyous. Listen, him singing uh, "You're Just Too Good to Be True" on the steps is a good time. I love, I I love a lot of the elements of this movie. The problematic elements that you are referencing here, I think, fall into the category. Also for me, fall into the category of we're trying to take some steps forward, but we're taking baby steps at this point. You know, because I think it is in some way a. Adap, it is a successful update to its time of Taming of the Shrew, which, which is uh
1: which Taming of the Shrew you're gonna you're trying to you're trying to make a you're trying to make a Shakespeare play that is like very much like socially acceptable, Tammy of the Shrew is a hard, yeah, harder one to go with. Yeah, about, but... absolutely.
0: And I do like the elements of Sarah Lawrence in in there, where she's trying to become her own independent woman, and she's trying to move away from her father and his control. And that his, her arc... Who's Sarah Lawrence? Sarah Lawrence is a college. Oh! That she wants to go to. <laughs>
1: I'm looking at these, um... and I was like, her name's <laughs> Katerina, the other one's name is Bianca.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, she wants to leave, and there is some nice, subtle commentary of, like, we need to get away, or we want to get away from the, you know, the father figures and go become our own people in the world. And, and though it's not the most healthy or the most um, well-told, is what I should say, story of that, it's there. It's in this movie. We don't want to change Julius Styles' character. We just want... To maybe open her up to the world a little bit.
1: Yeah, because let me tell you, I the, she does something and I was just like, wow, I hate this character. <laughs> um, when she crashed her car yes. on purpose. Yes. I was watching that and I was like, wow, I would probably hate this person in high school. Yes. Not because of her bad attitude or like, <laughs> also she rips down posters. Like, listen- I used to have to hang up posters. Yeah. It sucks, Julia Styles. But like that, she she comes from that place of privilege where like yeah. she crashes a car and there isn't is worried privilege. about the the repercussions. Where yeah. if I cr- if I crashed my car on purpose, oh my god, <laughs> guys, I would pay, I would be paying for that car and I would not have a car anymore.
0: Um. Yeah. Absolutely. So. So yeah.
1: Um, I I, I here, I'm gonna read my, my little review. It's not that long. Um, I'm actually not going to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is there something you want to reference from it? Yes.
1: I wrote, I don't like a lot of the characters at the beginning, but by the end, I found them far more tolerable. <laughs> Oh, there you go. The edginess is cringe Yes. They're so cool. I hate when he like is playing with the fire and I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and apparently nothing is wrong with him. He's yeah, just...
0: yeah, he's just that way. He's he's cool. He's cool. Oh my Kylie. God.
1: He's not.
0: <laughs> okay, so I, I want to curtail this into a conversation, or, or, or couch this into a conversation with um other teen rom-coms of the
1: day. I wrote, cause... with this, I end my time with 90s teen films. They can't hurt me anymore.
0: Because the other two that come out in this year... Okay, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say one. Because like American Pie is a teen sex comedy that is very, very different and is has different agendas on its mind. Never Been Kissed is an awful film that I rewatched, what? that I thought I loved, and I do not. Um, and I want to talk about it in terms of, like, just its characters and its development, and the fact that 10 Things I Hate About You has this thing that's called logic. It might be teen logic, it might be 90s logic, but it the film has it. It makes sense. It wants its characters to... Have motivations and drive and not just be characters and archetypes. And Never Been Kissed was one of the hardest films I had to rewatch because, man, that film is stupid. It doesn't have a brain to it. It just is like archetypes doing archetype things for reasons. Oh, my brain.
1: Doesn't she? All, she's All That come out this year, too?
0: Oh, yeah, that film is also the same thing. It's really hard to watch, too. Yeah, sorry, it was just lower than Been Kiss. I didn't quite get there. Um, She's All That is also, like, a big one for this time, where it's just, like, dumb teenagers being dumb and doing, like, things without reason or rhyme. They're just trying to get it done. And that's the, like, epitome of the, like, hot girl makeover, you know, take the glasses off or whatnot. And And Ten Things, I think, has has less of those elements in there. It wants these people... It wants these characters to be people, not archetypes that you want to... you can glom onto.
1: It's weird, though. Julianne Jolie won an Oscar for this movie, and I never considered... What for story? Girl Interrupted? Yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah. It was never like, oh, yeah, put that film on here. Yeah,
0: never. I, yeah. Oh, I also didn't watch Girl Interrupted. Yeah. Do you own it? No. I mean, I I don't remember hating it, but I think I wouldn't like it now.
1: I've seen it once.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Winona is in it? (laughs) I don't remember.
1: You sound like me. (laughs) Yeah. So, here's how I feel about Girl Interrupted. It's directed by James Mangold. Oh, Wolverine. (laughs) Logan. (laughs) It it stars Winona Highrider and Angelina Jolie. Ford vs. Ferrari. And Brittany Murphy. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Yeah. And Jared Leto. Ugh. And Jeffrey Tambor. Oh. But Jeffrey Tambor.
0: I don't watch the Jeffrey Tambor film. It's called Muppets from Space. It's okay. Kylie. Oh, interesting. Is it my pick? It's my pick. Okay, I'm sorry. I think you're going to be mad at me. I
1: don't think so, Josh.
0: The Sixth Sense. I don't care. Okay. That's
1: not the one that has okay. to be a pirate. All right,
0: okay. Fair enough, yeah.
1: Alright, hey everyone, the six- no, Josh, 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 it's not about what we like, it's what I think that is true about society.
0: Yes, I think that we know what the top two are. I
1: don't know, Josh, I don't think we're on the same page. Well,
0: you get the next pick, so you get to ensure it if they're both still there.
1: Oh man, I just- I, I, <laughs> I turned it- I turn it on myself.
0: <laughs> market zero, Kylie,
1: market zero! I don't know what the other one's supposed to be, Josh! <laughs>
0: Alright, let's talk about the sixth sense before we have a crisis.
1: Um, I love this film. I love it unabashedly, Josh. I love it so much. (laughs) I cry so much when I watch it. I don't know. I I just love Cole so much. And I just... And I, I'm i gonna say something The thing that we talk, Two people I watched it with did not know the twist So apparently I can't spoil the twist anymore Because <laughs> apparently people in society Don't know that it has Who a twist, of, know the twist Jeff of and the Jeff sixth didn't sense. Spoilers
0: for the sixth sense everybody Skip ahead Spoilers 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 we are gonna spoil the film Spoilers spoilers spoilers
1: Rosebud was his sled the whole time.
0: Yeah, Rosebud was Haley Joel's sled.
1: <laughs> Can I tell you the first time I watched The Sixth Sense, I wasn't paying attention, and I didn't realize that the Donnie Wahlberg stuff happened, like, chronologically at the beginning, and then Haley Joel Osmond comes afterwards, and I thought that we were <laughs> we were showing the end, and then we were going back to the beginning. <laughs> and so I thought, like, oh, Haley Joel Osment's gonna become Tony Wolper.
0: That makes about as much sense as anything else in this movie.
1: Just...
0: The movie makes sense. I'm being rude. It makes six um, senses. It makes six senses. Um, I don't hate this movie.
1: <laughs> Alright, well, that was the it's... achievement of the year,
0: it's everyone. kind of boring. Uh... You're boring. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, here is what I am going to say. Is that the character... Who I care the least about is Bruce Willis. And I care the least about him and his relationship with his wife. It's hard to care about it because, um, they don't they have one scene together at the beginning of the film and then they don't talk. They also can't talk or interact
0: <laughs> with each other. It's
1: like what the heck? M yeah, Night? So that that's the hard part. Yeah. Um so that's that's the difficult thing to overcome. Yeah. Uh what I really Care about and like about this film is uh Cole and Tony Collette. I love, I just have, I just care a lot about Cole, he's a child, but you know, like, I just just wanted to see ghosties anymore. I also, (coughs) I also think that I, and I don't know how much of this is M, M. Night Shyamalan actually putting this on, or if it's my own reading, but. It seems to me it's kind of telling the story of someone with some form of affliction. And his comes in the form of a supernatural affliction. And it doesn't show necessarily that our afflictions are our, are our gifts to the world. And that they're always yeah. a positive thing. It's not like something that's coming up this year as like Motherless Brooklyn, which is being like I'm the gift to the world. A film or, we haven't
0: seen yet. Yeah, Or yeah. things
1: like Rain Man, where yeah. um, it's saying, like, like, our afflictions can be a positive thing. I think what it's really saying is that we can learn to deal with them, and we can learn to, and post him dealing with the fact of he sees ghosts, and he goes and he helps the Misha character, um, post a lot of that. We see only, like, one positive interaction. We don't get to see many more. But it's not so much as, like, now it's good, he's gonna help the ghost, he's gonna save the world. It's more like, hey, now I am going to be able to continue my life. Yeah,
0: absolutely. In a
1: healthy way. Yeah, And I think that that is something that we don't get to see as much in a lot of films. Because we don't always have the vocabulary, especially in the 90s. Something like Girl Interrupted which I don't remember it bringing up, like, now Winona writer can live in society and be integrated and be a healthy member of society. Yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, this is in the form of a metaphor. He sees ghosts. However, we can say stuff. Oh, my God. Why are you texting me, Savannah? <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, I agree with you on, on all of those things. I do think that the Haley Joel and Tony Collette stuff is the most interesting elements of the film, and the the, fat, and the way that he um, interacts with his ability, and then he has to learn to live with it. I think is a really interesting element of this film. I. Don't think that M Knight is solely interested in that, though. I sure and don't I think he is either. I think he's also interested in his cool little twist that he has, and so I think the film it has a reputation that precedes it because it has a twist. And I think a lot of folks actually know what the twist is now in these now these days. <laughs> Guess who didn't uh, know the th- twist
1: the first time she watched
0: it? I yeah, fair. Um, I mean. <laughs> I also didn't, because, like, I watched it in 99. I watched um, it in 2009. So, like, yeah. Um, I guess it's a film that is not being spoiled for others, so there's no need for us to spoil it. But what I will say is, is that the twist for me, and I thought, this is my third time watching this movie. The other two times were back in the 90s, where I watched it once, and it was like, Whoa! And then I watched it again, and I was like, Oh, cool. Got it. I know, I understand. Mm-hmm. This time through, I wanted to like see where I really stood on in the film. I think the film is really, really well made. I really do. I think Imit has a good story to tell. He has good characters. It's interesting. I think he's too interested in like here are all the hints and the clues. He's and... too
1: interested in setting up the twist. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is the which is the issue of this film is that the film should end with cole and tony collette in the car and it doesn't and it doesn't yeah um it doesn't end at the emotional climax yeah which is which isn't as satisfying because i'm sorry malcolm is boring yeah yeah and so like i i agree that with the with the whole setting up of the twist and everything i've
0: that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy watching this movie. I think it's a really well made movie. I think that it's M Night. It, it is the peak of M Night's. Um career in many ways i mean he gets all of his oscar nominations he's called the next spielberg like this is it and then from there you know it goes though i think unbreakable is a more complete film for me unbreakable is a more complete film in many many ways because it doesn't have a
1: malcolm character oh yeah like i'm literally taking out a third of this movie and being like hate it but i still (laughs) love the whole movie i still love the movie
0: um why so i guess the question is for me is why is this the fourth most relevant film still of 99 and I think that it's because I still think the line I see dead people people understand that line it's a reference you can say it's like the quotable line of this year it is what people think of Haley Joel has a career because of this movie Bruce Willis's career got a revival because of this movie Tony Collette has a career because of this movie um, like so many things come from this M Night and all of his good and bad come from this movie um it, even
1: like the t- we need to have a if we're going to have any form of a thriller we got to have the twist at Yes, the end.
0: absolutely. Now, what I do think that the where where I think this film the reason why it's 4 and not for me what I would pick as 3 is because there are two entries left into the horror genre. And this one feels like the sorry, the, this one and another one. There are two. Oh,
1: these are the last.
0: Yeah. Um Did
1: I don't watch all the films. <laughs>
0: uh there is um
1: this film is far less this film doesn't influence the horror genre. Yes. As m- all? It As much? feels
0: like the end of an era and the other film feels like the beginning of the new era. Uh, this, I think, draws a lot of lineage from films like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist and those other more intellectual, for lack of a better word. The shining. The shining horror films. The it,
1: art class. And
0: it's... The the Sixth senses. Uh, heritage is, is is its lineage sorry is then I guess seen now in the hereditaries, the Midsommers, the the vitches you know the Babadukes, the prestige horror films now but we took a long time to get back to it mm-hmm. um, and I don't know how many of those folks would cite the sixth sense has an influence on that.
1: The one that actually... The one that feels the closest is something like Get Out and, mm-hmm. to me. Because, yeah, good call. Because Get Out has that... Like, the whole time you're like, there's something wrong here. But then when it's like... When it's revealed, that's not so much of a twist, but it is, like, revealing, like, the big horror element of it. Um, and it's also, a, it's also an, a horror film that made... A lot of money and had the prestige behind it, and was seen by a wide populace and liked. Yeah, um, yeah which absolutely. is very sensey. like with the with the Vivich and the Duke Like, yeah, like we know that, no. but like, do they? Yeah. yeah,
0: cool. Um, what's what's three?
1: What do I got left?
0: You have the top three films on that list.
1: Oh, oh! So the three that I picked without looking up 1999 films. Yeah, is what you're saying It's all I have left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I guess the Blair Witch Project.
0: Yeah, the Blair Witch Project. Is that uh, does that leave you your top two that you were well, like? I
1: only had one that I needed in the top two. Oh, okay. Is I don't. <laughs> Josh, I have like there. I'm going to talk about something
0: for the Blair Witch Project.
1: No, for something else.
0: Great. Well, let's talk Blair Witch real fast because I don't think either of us have a lot to say about this. Yeah, Josh.
1: Um, here's what here's what I'm gonna say. Okay. I'm gonna say influences of the Blair Witch Project is that it, uh, it conned a lot of people, and so here we um, it it did the greatest trick of all time. A
0: good marketing campaign helps. Yes. Moving on. Um.
1: Uh. Found footage. This isn't the first found footage film. No, but however, it is the one that popularizes it. Yeah. Um, found footage then has its f- finds its way again to something more recent that was a huge hit. Again, with which was uh Paranormal Activities, and then from Paranormal Activities, we give rise again to the ghost films, which is where we're at with horror now. We're all about ghosts. Yeah. Which I mean, it's fine. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Conjuring. Go for it. I don't have anything else to talk about. Um. Um. I think that it again, like we've talked about many times, how uh, not Stanley Kubrick, uh, John Carpenter has he made the cheap horror film and he showed that you can do something well on such a small budget, and it's a terrible lesson that we've learned. And then Blair Witch is like, we can do even less. Yeah. And so continues the trade of we'll give horror movies no money.
0: This movie's... I don't like this movie. Um, I didn't watch it. (laughs) I did. um, It is hard to follow. The characters are not likable. The story is almost non-existent. Yeah, I don't think they
1: have a script, Josh.
0: They don't. Uh, Literally, the filmmakers went out to the woods and started messing with the actors. Like and they kind of told them some points to yell to make a plot. Uh, but basically Silly they, were just... yeah, they were just David Finchered them? Yeah, they're just actually
1: Stanley Cooper.
0: Yeah, they're just actually staring them in the woods. Um, cool, good job. You did it. You filmed some rocks while shaking the camera. I'm so proud of you. Uh, there's one scene I enjoyed about it with a fisherman. That's a good scene. Uh, because, you know, we could see that person and they were given lines and a purpose. Um this film, uh, is popular because they told everyone it was real when it wasn't, so good marketing campaign. There's an argument that says this film is not more than a good marketing campaign, and I disagree with that because this film is boring. Also, stop yelling the name Josh. Like, goodness out loud, I don't care. Um, like, he's dead probably, I don't care. Um, this film is stupid and I hate it.
1: We'll remember that as we yell for Garrick.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's probably dead. <laughs> and everybody probably killed him.
1: Wow, I actually thought like last night, like the whole dam was gonna break up.
0: Well, but you 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 did some good work there, Captain.
1: Yep, okay. So All right. I'm, Josh, where are you putting it as number two?
0: Um Fight Club.
1: Oh, I win
0: <laughs> YES YES! she just left i don't i don't know what's happening she just she's celebrating and she's gone um like literally, I, this is not a bit she left uh so i guess i'll talk about stupid fight club um <coughs> fight club is a movie that is Examining this, the same thing we talked about with Office Space, this corporate culture and how it is a destroying to the idea of masculinity and how that you as a man can't be a man unless your manliness is the most manliness in all of the man land and it has zero ideas towards this masculinity that it's holding up as this great savior of the world, and it doesn't care how toxic it is. It doesn't care about the men that it's presenting. It doesn't care about the world around it because you get to take out corporations, and you get to take on the man, and your boring job because you are the most manly man there's ever been. Well,
1: I mean, it's all Mara's fault marla's fault yeah sure because she she started going to those things and so he couldn't feel emotions anymore so he that's, that's he couldn't sleep yeah all
0: right yeah. it's, all marla's, it's fault. all marla's fault
1: all right well these are our thoughts on fight club <laughs>
0: <laughs> as kylie said was good performers they do a good job oh they're great yeah good performing this film makes me tired i hate it i hate this film with my every fiber of my being it's I, I love Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is one of my dudes. But, like, no. This film's stupid.
1: Okay, well. One.
0: You did not give your thoughts on Fight Club. I,
1: it's Marla's fault. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> so you're on board with Fight Club? You're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, all these things are right. Yeah.
1: No. No, I know! I <laughs> mean, well, Josh, what, okay, where do I begin? You
0: gave him more stars than I did. Not, yeah. not a bad way, I was just saying like that as a fact.
1: I hey, listen. I don't think as far as a story goes, it doesn't have bleh, any real legs to stand on, however I understand that the filmmaking is
0: Yes. Good. Yes. Yes. I agree with that sentence.
1: Um do, 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 do. I gave it two and a half stars.
0: Yeah. I gave it one and a half stars.
1: Yeah, I hate this film. Um, it's, I've I've hated it for a very long time. Um, I've always viewed it as like, uh, we're about to talk about the Matrix, but I think I, uh, we talked about the about Fight Club, many years ago. It was like episode ten, and I compared the two, and you were like, N- Fight Club's more about like. Masculinity, and I was like, "What are you talking about?"
0: Yeah, no, I was wrong. It's <laughs> it's not about that at all.
1: I always, I, I was always, I always thought like, oh, it's about corporations and like, because uh, I was like, isn't it ironic that all Fincher does is like a twenty thousand, um, product placements in the film, and uh, he continues it in other films. Don't worry, I saw Gone Girl, and I was like, ooh, I want a Pepsi. Maybe it was Coke. I think it was a Pepsi. It was definitely, I wanted a Pepsi. Um, anyways, uh, I don't, I don't love Fincher as a director. I know that this is the one that we always, always as a society want to talk about. Um, I think that it, I think that this is a real downfall for him. I don't think that... He clearly takes the source material and wants to say what the source material wants to say. I think Chuck Palahniuk is a very difficult author to adapt into a film.
0: Well, okay, I think Chuck Palahniuk has more to say about men, masculinity, Mm -hmm. uh, sexuality, than Fincher even gives two cruds to. That book is a... a really good book and it's, a, it's subversive in so many ways, but it has something to say about Tyler Durden as well as corporations and masculinity. I mean, Tyler Durden's
1: like, pretty cool. If what? One... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I think, I the, the ending of the film as compared to the ending of the book, it feels like a real...
0: Out. Yeah, because the, the so the ending of the film and the ending of the book are different.
1: And the way that the film ends, it ends with this song as everything is exploding around them. And I'm watching that, and it it almost seems like it's a good thing that everything is exploding and being brought torn down. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's
0: it. Gives him it gives the narrator character the mm-hmm. uh, Edward Norton character a heroic send off. He defeated Tyler Turden. He gets the girl. Life is good. Sunset. Here we come. Boom, boom, boom. Song swells. Yeah, David Venture has admiration for this character.
1: Weird. (laughs) I don't think we should. No. (laughs) Oh, I got gripes.
0: Yeah, I got gripes. That doesn't make
1: any sense.
0: No. (laughs)
1: Uh, like when you see him, like when you when you see the Tyler Durden is no longer real, and then they go back and show things, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that he has two different memories. At st- it doesn't make sense when he's dragging himself ac- across the concrete floor, and they show it on the security cam. It's just it- this.
0: Anne had a great line while we were watching this. She's like, I think I'd like this movie better if it was just Edward Norton. Like, everything is happening, and we never see Brad Pitt. We just see Edward Norton, like, and only him. Better movie. I,
1: I, I've said that Edward Norton is my favorite actor who's kind of a jerk. Yeah. And I, 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 like, I like his performance as the narrator, but I just I don't look at this film and find any... I don't look at this film and find a ton of value in it. But I think that its biggest influence is its internet culture and yeah. how, like, you know what, Fight Club is a good film because like it's not afraid to say the difficult stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways with the we make the joke of like if they've got the fight if they've got the Fight Club poster and the Boondocks hands poster on their door, run, run. <laughs> run fast. But I think that that is its relevance to. That is its relevance to society. Is that if you see a bro or a dude that's got this poster hanging, please run. Because they don't. They're not a person that you need, man. Um,
1: I think that there's a difference between. I, I think that there are things that. And, I, and maybe not this movie is the best option, but I do think that there are things. And there are male characters, especially, that a lot of people. Fail to recognize the issues with it. Uh-huh. Um, Holden is actually a great example. Um, the Catcher in the Rye is a book that I genuinely like. I also understand that J.D. Salinger is showing why Holden's a bad person and not someone yes. who you want to um, aspire to, but I don't think that everyone understands that.
0: And I, I agree with that. And the film itself doesn't allow... It doesn't allow you to un- to look at these characters in any other way but a sympathetic or positive way. I think that in, in my reference of this is like Inside Lewin Davis. Lewin Davis is the worst. Like, dislike, hardcore, but like, love that movie because of what it's saying about him as an artist and what it's saying about the world and stuff like that. It, it lets you hate the main character throughout all of this and... Fight Club doesn't. Fight Club wants you to be like, look at how cool these guys are. And that's where the unhealthy culture around this movie, and that's where the, the toxic nature, and the toxic, that's love for toxic masculinity. This film loves toxic masculinity. And the more you read about Fencher, the more you're like, yeah, it's because he's probably a pretty toxic dude himself. I don't blanket dislike Fencher. In fact, two of his films, I quite actually like. Um, I but mean,
1: I feel like I could really get into the game. I feel like that's the <laughs> film for me. I just every time I go to Netflix and click on it, guess what? It says it's not working right now.
0: Um,
1: I think the other one is Zodiac. You I, like yeah, the social? I network.
0: like Social Network and Zodiac. I, um,
1: you like seven
0: I like the seven and two. Not just the
1: seven and one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, seven also.
0: Not a. But I like Social Network and Zodiac, which both come after this film. And I believe Fincher has grown up, and I believe Fincher has more to say with those films. This one, he was just... I think he's still in that, like, I don't know, adolescent adolescent youth boy phase. I don't know how old he is, probably in his 30s, um, but like... Right
1: now? Oh, no, back then? back
0: then. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have a lot of things to add to society with this movie. He's
1: 30... He's 37 when it comes out, so yeah. he probably made it in 36,
0: 35. Yeah. And society probably hasn't really challenged him to, to look at the world in any other way yet. So, yeah. Because even with Mark Zuckerberg i in, in the social network, I don't think he has a lot of reverence for Zuckerberg by any means. Um, But yeah. All right, number one. Your choice. What, what's left? Matrix. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We did it. We got there.
1: All right. The Matrix is a huge influence on superhero movies. That's my thoughts. Okay, The bye.
0: Matrix is an influence <laughs> on blockbuster <laughs> culture. everyone. On, with bullet time. All I have to say structure. is
1: that... Yeah. We look at... Um, I, I I think that the, the use of special effects has... Is directly related, yeah. It's literally going to, like... Um... Okay, I gotta send this text to Sylvana. No
0: worries. Uh, the Matrix is one of those movies where if we're just going to talk about it in terms of its relevance, um, I don't think there's a lot to actually say. It wears it on its sleeve. It is clear when you pop in The Matrix how story structure-wise, character-wise, visual effects-wise, ideas-wise, like how it is a direct descendant of the blockbusters that came before it and the blockbusters that will come after it. It is a highly influential film.
1: hmm um, I think that it's it's also really interesting that it it utilizes um, anime and it, anime's influences on them and whether people see it or not you may later on see a, a still image from Ghost in the Shell and be like oh it's Matrixy!" No. It's because it's all there I think that the Wachowskis also I think that now that it, they have come out um, both as trans women, I think that there's an, in, an entirely different, interesting read on the Matrix that you can go back and uh, see. I don't think it's throughout the entire film, but I do think in posits of it, you can see yeah. it. Yeah,
0: and I this time through, which I I actually really enjoyed watching the film through that lens because I heard that 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 extra textual crit- critique on the film that it is a movie about identity in a lot of ways and like you are told you're one thing you think you fit in one way and then you're told that there's something else over here and that that like this is probably actually who you are and about discovering that and that journey i think it's a really interesting take on the film um in general i also think that it fits into the 90s uh societal box thing that we've been talking about because it's like you're told that this is what society is the corporate machine and it's actually over here is what reality is and this is where you want to live so to speak um i will tell you for me though i'm like i don't want to live out there give me the matrix like i don't even care man i'll know that i'm being whatever like that life sucks sorry i'm joey pants in this movie i'm like give me this steak come on let's go that's just me
1: so you'll take the blue pill well, I think that, what? Maybe. The blue pill is what keeps you in the Matrix. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, no, 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 okay.
1: <laughs> I think I, you...
0: No, I'm Joey Pants. Uh-huh. I probably took the red pill yeah. and then I'm like, this was the wrong choice. Okay, so
1: you would have <laughs> taken the red pill and then realized that you're awful and you would have betrayed all your friends. Okay.
0: Yes. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, were they ever really my friends, Kylie? I don't okay. Know.
1: Uh, Joey Pants is also a man who's been slighted by society, and so he wants to take. I mean, it's all here. My narrative is here. I don't
0: think though that there is like I don't necessarily think that though Joey Pants does what is his actual name? Cipher is that the character's name? I don't think that Cipher is. Cipher is a villain. But he's a villain that I, what I like is, I understand his I understand actions. why he's
1: doing it. Yeah. I think that it, it, as we're watching it, it's actually Agent Smith, who we don't know most of his like, motives, until the end when he's yeah. like, I want to get out of here, I hate you people. <laughs> and we're like, and we're like, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Me too, <laughs> Agent Smith. We, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Anderson.
1: I mean, and like, who does, like, Carrie Ann Moss, who doesn't do what, whose career isn't yeah. wide or adventurous like we're like oh yes she is Trinity Lawrence Fishburne his career is he is Morpheus he has yeah. some other things but um, you
0: cast him as like oh yeah Morpheus is here
1: Keanu like who is now I guess our our lord and savior yeah absolutely <laughs> like
0: Keanu's had a resurgence like, but this is this is the uh, flashpoint in his career yeah yeah uh, the 90s is a decade for Keanu because, like, he starts out strong and, he, like, this is his decade. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reason why I'm perfectly happy giving The Matrix the number one spot is that we have a Keanu renaissance, a keanu Sans so to speak, right now, because of To our... the
1: point where they're like, hey, we're going to make Matrix 4, four and yeah. we're like...
0: Huh. <laughs> you're going to cast Neil Patrick Harris? Okay. <laughs>
1: Wait, what? Yeah,
0: what? <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris has been cast in Matrix 4.
1: As as new, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: maybe he's the new Hugo Weaving. I don't really know. Um,
1: well, I, yeah. um, I, the Wachowskis are interesting filmmakers, but like I don't like most of their movies.
0: They have ideas they want to explore. They are bonkers in terms of, oh, I don't know, uh, plot, story, character. <laughs> um, there, but, but it's because they why... seem to be more focused on theme, idea, message, visual. Which
1: yeah. Is, which is why The Matrix is perfect for them, because it's, it's all on our sleeves. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's why, simultaneously, The Matrix sequels don't work. Mm-hmm. is because they then have to explore this world that they created and somehow justify that this awful reality is worth fighting for.
1: Well, and...
0: Just because it's reality.
1: I don't understand how the sequels work at all because the whole point of the Matrix is the whole time, like, is is Neo the one? Is he the one? Is he our hero? Is he our savior? Yeah. And... When you get to the end and it's like, yeah, he can fly away, like he can yeah. do whatever. It's just like, oh, it's fine. he can see the code. Like, there, there isn't a challenge now for Neo if he is all this all-powerful being.
0: I it's been a while since I've seen them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, but I think that the idea is that well, yeah, but he has a journey to complete. So, like, we need to see it. The
1: arch the archetype the architect. <laughs> I think that he has to fight the architect. Sure. Yes, I think that's right.
0: Anyway, it uh, is one
1: o'clock and we started recording. Oh, this is a three hour episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 Three hours. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry for what I've done. I'm hungry.
0: Okay, we'll we'll wrap it up. Matrix is good.
1: It's uh, it's a huge influence on superhero films and blockbusters and science fiction.
0: All right. From 11 to 1, Being John Malkovich, Magnolia, Iron Giant, Talented Mr. Ripley, Boys Don't Cry, Office Space, 10 Things I Hate About You, Sixth Sense, Blair Witch, Fight Club, Matrix. Kylie, get that game over there. It's real fast.
1: All right. Name 1999 films.
0: Okay. Being John Malkovich.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, what are some things to yell at the projectionists in a theater? Stop it. Nothing because they are not there That's... and we need to be
0: respectful of others watching the film. That's not the category, is it? Shut up. No, you don't yell at people. You politely go to them and you tell them that you have a problem. I'm, sure I'm that... so sorry. I'm pretty
1: sure that was my answer, so that doesn't is- uh... What is <laughs> <sighs>
0: Stupid Planet Hollywood yeah, it's game. your
1: stupid game.
0: <laughs> well, that seems like a great way to end this episode. All right, friends. If you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? We haven't talked enough yet. You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button.
1: I see dead people!
0: There it is. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Podcast on... Twitter at DWT
1: underscore podcast. YouTube's let's watch together. Tumblr's. Let's watch together. Thank
0: you, uh, Letterboxd Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh.
1: I'm being John Malkovich.
0: <laughs> quack 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 quack. See you 1939.